Laws Network. Hi, this is Devin Turek from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Geek Fights. In this episode, we're joined by Yossi Bloch and Dave Meyer from the Anonymous Tabletop Podcast as we fight it out to determine which is the best Deep Space Nine episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Uh, what are we doing? Well, uh, tonight or this afternoon or this morning, we are doing the best Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, way back on the old show, we did an epic four-hour-long best Star Trek episode, and we also did worst and most mediocre. Um, but this time, we're just focusing on Deep Space Nine, my favorite of all Star Treks. Um, we took 32 episodes, and by episodes, we're counting two and even three parters uh, if they're definitely connected as one episode. So really one story. Uh, we put them up in tournament-style brackets. Uh, if you want to follow along, you can download them from uh, thefreebootersnetwork.com. Uh, we each cast our vote, give our reasons, and this goes on until we find out what is actually the best episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, and how we get to best... We're just going to make this crap up. So, Damon, who's joining us tonight? <laughs> it's, uh, well, I guess it's night for Yussi. Mr. Yussi Block is here. Yes, I am. And uh, very glad to be back on Geek Fights. I, you know, it's it, it was always great to, you know, uh, jump into these uh, battles and uh, to do it for, as Mike says, the best Star Trek series is in Mr. Dave Meyer. Well, am I the only uh, virgin here that has never been on Geek Fights before? Yes. Yes. And there was no ceremony, pomp, circumstance, something like that? Well, we did use lube. Well, I do. I, I am grateful for that. But yes, yes, it is Dave Meyer from Anonymous Tabletop here. And I'm very grateful to be here because... It's always nice to talk on something that I don't have to edit. And with us every week is Mr. Devrom Turok. Hello, everybody. Back again. So I didn't pull out a script because I forgot, but I think we just start fighting now. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So let's start the fights. But I am going to say something because this is the 25-year anniversary of Deep Space Nine. 25 years ago. In January, this past January, Deep Space Nine first aired. Yeah, twenty-five, and we did do something for the twentieth anniversary. Thank you very much. It's best Deep Space yeah, Nine did. character. Yeah, we did best Deep Space Nine character back in the original show. Yeah, so in two thousand thirteen, we got a Deep Space Nine episode. We love Deep Space Nine, and you can too. And uh, we can start the first fight with you, Yussi. Uh, this is an easy one. It is in the pale moonlight. If you don't know what in the pale moonlight is, fuck you. Turn this episode off. Don't need you. You honestly, if you don't know, if you're uh, okay, and sacrifice of angels. Now that one, I can understand. You don't know what it is, and the sacrifice is the all. She dies, and uh, what else happens in that episode? Oh, the minefield comes down. The wormhole aliens wipe out a whole bunch of the Dominion fleet, and uh, stuff like that happens. Yussi? Yeah, I know how this round is going to go, so I just want to give do credit to Sacrifice of Angels because it's the eighth part of an eight-episode arc, which is crazy. It was crazy 20 years ago, but it really changed the way we look at 
television, especially genre fiction, the idea that you can tell these complex stories. And I also think that there's a lot in that episode from the space battles to the fact that, you know, you have Damar killing Zial, which we look at as and say, oh, he's a, he's a villain, he's irredeemable. And yet by the end of the season, we have Cisco, you know, signing off on the death of an innocent for the sake of the war. And how was that different? So it sort of makes you think. And uh, I have a feeling Sacrifice of Angels is about to be sacrificed. Mike? Um, this is this is really tough because Sacrifice of Angels is a great episode. Um, but uh, in the Pale Moonlight, uh, for those who don't know, actually did win the uh, the bracket, uh, the Deep Space Nine bracket for the best uh, Star Trek episode. Uh, it actually was in the finals. It lost to Inner Light. Um, I expressed a lot of love for it there, and I expressed some problems with it there. Um, but it is one of the classic great uh, episodes. It usually wins. Um, but you know what? I'm going to vote for Sacrifice of Angels because I just rewatched it. It's probably going to lose. Um, but uh, it's, it is a great episode, and I love all the interactions in that episode with Cisco and the Prophets. Dave? Well, I have to admit that uh, when I was tasked with watching all these things, um, I hey. I was really not into DS9 when it came out. I know, blasphemy, don't beat me or eject me from the airlock right now. So um, it, it was it was interesting watching these when I went back and, and did watch it once the bracket came out. And when I saw In the Pale Moonlight, on DS9 fan uh, from the way back is, I knew, I knew In the Pale Moonlight before it ever even hit the bracket. And then when I rewatched re it uh, after all this time, it was still just as powerful and just as you, you see Star Trek getting shady. It's the first time everybody else is, oh, we're going to take the upper hand. We're going to take the higher ground. And he goes, I, I have to do what has to be done, even if it is a little bit, in, it's well, not a little bit, a lot in the gray area. Uh, and then plus the Cisco monologuing to the, to the, to, I mean, the recorder just like, Hey, I'm leaving, I'm leaving this captain's log. And then he, and he just, the personal log. And then he just, nope, erase it. And I'd do it again. And I just, it, it still get chills listening to it, but yeah, I got to pick in the pale moonlight on this one. I'm going to vote for in the pale moonlight. Um, it better move on to the next round so I can talk more about it. Devram, is it moving on into the next round? It's all tied up. It comes down to you. Uh, it might not. Um, I'm really uh, leaning towards Sacrifice of Angels right now. Um, that, that scene, um, especially where, uh, where Ducat's child dies, um, it's, it's moving. And uh, I, I really, really want to vote for it. And I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to go sacrifice of angels. Sorry, guys. Well, then I. I'm changing my vote. You fucking idiot, Mike. You didn't Gosh. know who these people were. What? Nothing. I mean, come on. It really should win. Yeah, I know. I thought you voting for sacrifice of angels scared the shit out of me. God damn it. A vote for pale moonlight. Just like in pale moonlight, it twists at the end. Yeah. Well, and Garrick says it's a small price to pay. I love the Garrick speech in that episode. But Pale Moonlight is moving on. We are on to the next episode. It is an improbable cause and the die is cast. That is the episode where uh, 
the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order go to try and bomb the shit out of the Dominion homeworld, and the Dominion's like, gotcha, bitch! And they wipe them all out. Uh, and it's a great Garrick and Odo episode. Versus Blood Oath, and that is where the original series Klingons return to Star Trek in the new Klingon makeup, and they have a Blood Oath with Curzon Dax, which uh, oh my god, Jadzia wants to fulfill by eating the heart of the, what do you call it, the albino. And uh, Mike, that one's yours. Mr. Ortiz? Hello? Hello? Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, This is a tough one, um, and I'm going to say that every time because these are almost all going to be tough. Uh, I love, love, love Klingon episodes. They're among my favorite episodes, and I loved seeing these three Klingons brought back. I think it was a great, great callback. Um, and and it really was the first time I actually had any any love for the Dax character, who eventually would be one of my favorite characters on the show. But uh, the uh, improbable cause die is cast was just an amazing. I mean, for the first reason, it is just an amazingly well executed. Uh, two hours of television it kept me in, in suspense the whole time i didn't know it was coming the whole time it's a great garrick episode like you said um so yeah it's just it was really one of those first one of the first episodes of deep space nine that really stepped up to being a big show i mean it had a big battle at the end um it really is, was where in season three where uh the show starts to break out and become just a, an amazing show and that was really one of the first episodes that did it for me first two episodes excuse me dave you know, I'm going to have to agree with Mike on that because while I do like the Klingon episodes, and this one, of course, Blood Oath reminded me of grumpy old Klingons because everybody had to had to be brought into line. You had Kang, Kolop, and Kor, and they all came in there. And, and, and of course, everybody's like, Dax has to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to, I ha- I'm going to fulfill this Blood Oath. I know you don't see me as Corzon, but yeah, it's, I, I really did like that episode. However, Garrick, I love Garrick. Garrick has always been a standout for me as far as the entire episode or the entire uh, series. Every episode I see with him, and I just love that little sly little thing. He's just a tailor, just a tailor. And it's also a bonus. They had a they had an Odo rescue mission. Um, and but here's here's a question. Here's something I always have a question. Why does everyone get on the damn Defiant and gets on the Defiant to fly away and do something? Don't you just lose your entire command staff when that happens? They only have the budget for one ship and uh, and two set. That's true, but I mean, hey, uh, yeah, you always got to set. You get sending the entire the entire crew. That's 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 just a little bit of nitpick on all these shows. Is that why send everybody? Everyone's gonna die, and you lose your command structure. But whatever. Uh, and then and then of course the rubbery Odo torture um, where he's falling apart. I, it was kind of heartbreaking, even though it was kind of. It was it was interesting effects, but you, you see Garrick not wanting to do it, and he's doing it anyway. And then still, after everything's said and done, they still have that respect. They have a newfound respect for each other, and actually, their their relationship really does move on from there, where they're not just these adversaries and people that don't understand each other. Like you, you had to do what you had to do because you're. It's I don't know if I could have forgiven somebody who was torturing me. Uh, so, but I do have to, while I did like Blood Oath, I have to say Improbable Cause and the Dice Cast is my pick. I'm going to say same. And not only, not only is it, it's not, it's not just the, 
they, they have a newfound respect. They they want the exact same thing. Garrick wants to go home, and that's and that's why he did that stuff. And Odo's big secret in that episode is he wants to go home too. So yeah, I gotta go with those two. Uh, Miss, wait, who's next? I was looking at the wrong thing. Dev. Uh, for me, it's all about the Klingons. So uh, I'm definitely gonna have to go. Auto. Uh, Yassi. Yeah, I find the uh, episode name a bit long because it's two episodes. So I just go with Ictic. And um, <laughs> we need Ictic because we've been waiting three seasons for the payoff for Garrick. And some shows just wait too long and you don't care anymore. But here's someone who was set up in the series premiere and it finally pays off and it continues to pay off uh throughout the rest of the series. So that's definitely got my vote. And Ick Dick is moving on. I like that one. Uh, Dave, this fight is yours. It is House of Quark. It's the one where he claims to kill a Klingon in a bar and in his bar, and he becomes, you know, a Klingon something or other. And it's versus the adversary, which uh, is a very important episode. It's the episode where uh, Cisco becomes a captain. Everybody forgets he's commander for a while. And uh, Odo kills another changeling. Inadvertently, but Odo kills another changeling. Go ahead, Dave. Well, this one was a little bit of a tougher one because I had actually picked the adversary because I, I did like the uh, the fact of it had like thing vibes. So you go back to Carpenter's The Thing and 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 it just had those vibes where everybody was suspect. Everybody, the, the tension of that show just kept ratcheting up and ratcheting up. And you kept seeing, okay, everybody could be, and you saw people just turning on each other, like, oh, you're 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 the the changeling, you're the changeling, you're the changeling. And yes, it was also very powerful that he was the first to kill one of his own. Uh, however, the House of Quark itself, it I found a newfound respect for Quark as that when it, I mean, no, I've I've loved Quark the entire the entire time, but he went outside of his comfort zone. He wasn't just, he was trying to like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and try to get the Klingons to understand finance. And instead he, he couldn't get that. And he's like, okay, well just do what you need to do. And he was willing. I don't think he, he, he might not have tried to be willing, but he was willing to die because he's like, well, if she needs, if we need to save this house, I'm I'm willing to put down my life for it in, and it worked out for him. And it, just Quark's development in House of Quark was just too much. My adversary. A vote for House of Quark. It may not, because I really do like the adversary. It's a very good episode. And Cisco gets his captain pip. Come on. Come on. And it's extremely important because Odo gets turned into a human. And there's all kinds of stuff that repercussions of things that happen in this episode. So I'm going to go with the adversary. Devro? Uh, for me, it's House of Quark. Um, I really liked uh, the way Quark stepped up, kind of like what Dave was saying. Um, and and just the audacity to kind of disarm himself in front of uh, a Klingon in the middle of a battle and hope that the rest of the Klingons will will um, maintain their honor and, and see just what a worthless slime the guy in front of him was his, his opponent was and uh and it worked out exactly as he planned it and uh, i really like quark and uh and it was a great episode so I'm 
Uh, Yassi? I love what DS9 does with uh, races uh, or you know species that we thought we already knew. We thought we knew uh, Ferengi, we thought we knew Klingons, and DS9 does great stuff with both of them, and the epitome of that is House of Quark. It's got my Mr. Ortiz. Uh, you could just repeat everything Yasi just said. And House of Quark is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is Change of Heart versus Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Change of Heart is the episode where there's a mission where Worf and Dax have to go do something, and it's for the Federation, and this information has to be done, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dax gets injured, and she's going to die if they complete the mission. Worf goes to try and complete the mission, and he's like, nah, I got you. I love you so much. I don't care if they court-martial me. I love you to death. And he goes and uh, saves her versus take me out the hollow suite where Cisco and the crew play uh, baseball on the hollow suite versus Vulcans. And uh, Cisco learns the value of just having fun and playing the game. And um, yeah, I'm going to go with change your heart because, you know, I love you. So I'm going that one. Devram. Oh, for me, it's definitely a change of heart. I, I literally just finished watching this episode maybe five minutes before we started um, um, recording. And um, I, I love the interaction between Jadzia and Worf and the fact that he gives up, you know, possibly his own command because all he cares about is his woman. Um, yeah, it, it got to me. I like it. So I'm voting for... Uh... A vote for change of heart. Yassi! I do not like baseball. And I was a Yankee fan during the window, basically, of when they sucked. That was my entire childhood. And nevertheless, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite was so much fun. I just want to say that before I vote for Change of Heart. Mike? Um, I also am not necessarily a big fan of baseball, but I am a big fan of Vulcans and the Vulcans in Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite were awesome. Um, I was actually rooting for the Vulcans because they're right. They were better than, than the humans in, in every conceivable way. Uh, and the fact that the humans couldn't accept that actually just proved the Vulcans even more right. So because really of the Vulcan victory over, over humanity uh, in that episode, I have to vote for Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. I'll vote for take me out to the hollow suite, Dave. Well, even now, take uh, take me out to the hollow suite was one of my own. Um, I too, I, I, I'm, I'm, I love. I strangely enough, Deb doesn't like them, but I love the hollow suite episodes. I like people being taken out of their element. You, you're expecting to see them in the in the in DS9. You're expecting to see them in the runabouts. You're expecting to see them in the Defiant. You see them out of their elements. It's like their their leisure time. There's a lot of times you can tell a lot about a person because of what they do in their free time. And in this case, Cisco Cisco loves baseball and he's trying to instill this love of baseball as well as the rivalry uh, with Solak. But Really wants to get this team together, and of course, he comes off as that asshole. He comes off as that guy who wants to win at no, at, at every cost, at any cost, and he drives his own his own team members against him because. And then finally, when he's ejected, like most <laughs> coaches and managers, when they're rejected, they kind of get a little more. He's watching it from out out in the stands and seeing this team 
it doesn't matter. You, you can't eject a guy because he sucks, Rom. But but you bring them back in and everyone plays everyone has fun and you know what i loved about it manufactured triumph and they're sitting there drinking glasses and sola can't understand this because they're just running you're this manufactured triumph and he goes triumph at the end. i loved it however change of heart change of heart was also excellent because you've got the newfound relationship with Worf and Dax—it was fairly recent, I believe, right? It was—it was—it was somewhere in season six where they had were, or actually they were planning the honeymoon at this point when they flew away and and landed on this planet to go find the Cardassian defector. Yeah, so they were very new. They were still planning because I remember them arguing on the on the flight over there, saying they were arguing about where they were going to go, and and it, and so I'm like, all right, well, you just got a Klingon planet on a planet everything wants to kill you you're running around you've got a gem running around and doing everything on there and you got i loved it a you got the bonus sexy dax in there come on <laughs> and then you've got uh dax mary uh they get a little bit of a married banter going on the ship and you're like all right they're two months in and even back on the on the uh on the station they're talking about how oh i was going to give them 2 months and now that you say that they're only together 2 months bashir and o'brien talking over the tango table which also gets me a little happy because hey space board games i love them um uh, yeah i i got to say change of heart it, it it took out my take me out to the house week change of heart is moving on we're on to our next fight devrum this one is yours it is treachery faith and the great river which is a jake nog episode slash odo and uh what's his name uh i can't remember his name right now even though i literally just looked wayun wayun thank you uh wayun a defective wayun is trying to defect with uh odo odo and uh jake and nog are doing what I love to watch them do, which is, hey, let's sell this thing to get this thing to get this thing to get this thing. They, they, there's like two or three episodes where they do that. Versus our man Bashir, and that is uh, Bashir being James Bond on the hollow. Wait a minute. On the holodeck. And that's when uh, they had to superimpose everybody's bodies onto the holodeck, but their brains were somewhere else in the rest of the system of the ship. It was another weird, freaky holodeck accident, but it wasn't a holodeck accident. It was an accident somewhere else. It's a transport accident, actually. But <laughs> it is all yours, Devro. Uh, I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to vote against every hollow sweet holodeck episode ever. So I'm definitely voting Treachery, Faith, and Faith. Uh, vote for Treachery and Faith. Uh, Yossi. Uh, I get where Devro is coming from. I also often feel that the holodeck or hollow suite episodes don't really go anywhere. But then I think about how this, the foreshadowing in this, the idea that this Bashir, I know it's not exactly clear when he's replaced with a changeling, but the idea of him being artificial, then we get to his genetic engineering, then we get to the fact that he actually turns into a spy for Section 31. So in this case, I think this is actually a Hollow Suite slash Holodeck episode that works. And Damon, that was brilliant. The defective Wayun who's trying to defect. Were you still talking there or did it just die out for me? Uh, that was for uh, dramatic emphasis. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> parentheses, checking. pause, parentheses. Uh, Mike? Uh, I am going to vote for Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Uh, this is, is one of my all-time favorite episodes. I, I love uh, the the Ferengi philosophy of the great material continuum across the universe. There are places that have too much of one thing and not enough of another thing. And uh, and the, the universe will basically take care of itself. It's this strange capitalist, uh, almost Taoist philosophy. Uh, and, and I love the Ferengi. Uh, there's a lot of Ferengi episodes on here. Many of them were placed here by me. And, and this is a very kind of key part of, of Ferengi philosophy, one of the things I love about them. But in addition to that, this episode is this very strange, small meditation on faith. Um, it's not just Nog's faith in the great material continuum, but uh, Wayun, the defective Wayun's uh, is defective because he he wants to to leave, because he has found out that the founders are dying. And when his gods uh no longer are immortal he turns to the one remaining god odo who he still sees as a god so he loses faith in one one part of of his and his gods and even the other way essentially loses faith and in, in, in kind of decides odo is not a founder and goes to kill him so it's all these weird ways that people sort of compromise their faith uh to do what they think is right uh, which is a really strange way to wrap around this just sort of interesting one-off episode um so really i, I think it's a lot of fun uh, it, it reminds me of the episode of MASH where Radar is trying to trade a million things to get things, and, and eventually everything works. Uh, not only does everything work, but everything turns out better than it was before, uh, even though O'Brien's panicking the whole time. And it's a great O'Brien episode, too. So uh, it's a weird, small episode that that ultimately has a wonderful little message at its heart, and I absolutely love it. Dave? Sorry about that. Um, yes, actually, uh, that was another another one of my uh, entries in is Arman Bashir. And like I was saying earlier, I, I really do enjoy the Hollow Suite episodes. And, you know, Yossi, he, he brought it up. He, I liked the way that he did that because I did not know of the, the spy thing. So thanks for the spoiler alert way 30, 25 years late. But um, uh, there's I didn't know of his, his, his conversion as a spy, the changeling and all that other things. And, and it is nice how it lays that groundwork for it. We're watching it. It's just this just simple, stupid little one-off where he's in the hollow suite. There's a transporter action accident. And the only place they can dump him is into his, in, into his, mem into his, uh, his holodeck suite. And he's there in there and, 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 and he can't kill anybody, even though his storyline would say that he probably should. It, it was just, I'd like to see him, on his own and once again personal time really does show what somebody can do when he's a doctor so he really doesn't have a lot of opportunity to shine as someone who's uh, and has a lot of presence he's always playing second fiddle and third fiddle and he's always out there but he's he never gets to take center stage and i think in this episode he did uh, however you also have treachery and faith in the green river which until I watched it, I, I just love the whole bartering system of Nog. And Nog's like, you know, the river's going to provide. It's still happening. You out of faith. And, and, of course, O'Brien just running around going, God, this is not going to work. you got to stop doing this. You authorize this. And the blood wine goes missing. And 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 all of a sudden, this big chain of events where O'Brien thinks everything's failing. And Nog is just saying, don't worry. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's the yeah, it's the the rules of acquisition. Here's this rule. There's the great river. Goes through, and then also the the side story of of Odo and Wayun. I mean, 
just to see this guy defect. And he and Odo, of course, is looking at him and going, you know, there's no way this is happening. And just the fact that he sees Wayun as just these these eye the eyes that he looks at Odo, he's just like he's in the presence of his God. And Odo doesn't want to be that guy, but he's still, even at the very end, Wayun sacrifices himself. It's it's first like Mike said, for such a small episode, it had so many interleavings of of of, of maintaining faith. It's, it was really for such a small episode, it was way too powerful, and and it's knocking out my man, Mister. Uh, yeah. What he that's what he said, and I'm I'm agreeing with him. Uh, treachery, faith, and the Great River is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Yussi, this one is yours. It is Homefront slash Paradise Lost. That's where uh, the, uh, what do you call it, Changelings attack Starfleet Command, so we think, on, on Earth, and then it becomes a whole thing. How many Changelings are on Earth? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Versus Waltz, which is a Cisco and gold ducat episode and gold ducat still a little crazy but he's not that crazy and they're trapped on a planet by themselves gold ducat is fine cisco's injured blah 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 yussi which one whenever cisco goes back to earth i wonder how exactly uh his father's restaurant works and i know that's not the point of the episode but it's just one of those questions because people don't have money but he works there sometimes anyway uh but i i really enjoyed that that two-parter uh and, and of course you have to do it once you have the possibility of shape-shifting and everything else you, you and it's very well done but waltz is just it, it's a masterpiece you know this this is what's going to go in the in the real you know wh whether it's for uh, you know mark alimo or for avery brooks it, it just tour de force acting and we don't have enough ducat in this list so walt a uh, vote for waltz mike uh i'm gonna vote for Homefront and Paradise Lost. Um, uh, these are two of my favorite episodes. Uh, it's funny. This is this is really one of those ones where we've got a, a big, uh, a big storyline episode, a big sort of epic sweeping episode uh, up against a small personal episode, and, and we're going to get that a lot. And there's a lot of wonderful small personal episodes on Deep Space Nine. Uh, in this instance, though, I'm going to go with the bigger episode, um, mostly because I, I've had a, a recent rewatch of Deep Space Nine, and every time I watch this episode. Even, ever, ever since I, I watched it when it first came on, uh, even watching it now, it's just like, wow, how is it this episode gets more true to the world I live in every time I watch it? Uh, and there's a few episodes like that. Some of that are on this list. Uh, Deep Space Nine's prediction of our future uh, and sometimes a, a, a closer future than, than we'd like to admit. And, uh, and some of the darker aspects of it is, is really spot on. And in this episode, I think they do a great job of it. And we find out that like all this chaos is being caused really by just a couple of changelings and, uh, and triggering human nature. So uh, Paradise Lost. A vote for Humphreyfoth. I'm just trying to make something up. Uh, Dave? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, just basically what Mike said on that with the, with the Homefront Paradise Lost. Um, I, I, just the whole idea of them coming down and um, 
you're coming down, you got you have essentially four changelings are running amok, but they're not doing anything. They're kind of here, they're kind of there, but all the big problems are coming from inside. And you got everything from the earthwide martial law, you got Starfleet Starfleet sabotaging their own things based on what they feel is right. You've got that coup, and then well, they also have the goofy president, which I hated that guy, but um, but you also have bonus fear-mongering. So this is, weirdly enough, it's a strangely timely episode 20 years ago. Uh, however, you also have Waltz. I mean, you, you look at Waltz and you see, I mean, Gold Ducat is one of my favorite characters on the show. He's had some incredibly up-and-down arcs. He's been the main, big bad villain. He's been the good guy. He's been the villain again. It's It's just amazing to see you put two strong actors in a room. They're in a cave, and the 90% of the episode is them fighting with each other in a cave, just debating about why he thinks he's right. And he's being tormented by the demons of his past. He's seeing Kira. He's seeing Damar. He's seeing everybody. Wayun. He's seeing everybody, and he comes out, and for the very first time, you've always seen that underlying thing of he's got that air of superiority. He's got that air of... Of, of that racist, but he comes out at the last and just says that them all. And it was like, it was like a gut punch going, holy crap. Cisco just pulled every, the worst out of Ducat. He pulled everything out of him. He goes, this is, this is, and then when he flew away with all the, the all the people, all the demons of his past behind him, I, I, I wanted Homefront Paradise Lost. I had them picked from the beginning. And then I watched Waltz. And Waltz, it, it, that character study of those two strong, strong characters going up against each other in a cave. So Waltz has got to take it home. Waltz gets a vote. Um, but it, you know what it, it, what it is for me? in Homefront Paradise Lost. And it's going to get the vote from me. It, and what it is is the moment when Papa Cisco is what I'm going to call him, cuts his hand and the blood comes out and Cisco's looking and he's looking at the blood. And then his father goes, you thought I was a changeling. You honestly thought I was a changeling. There's something wrong with you. This isn't how we're supposed to be. This isn't how we're supposed to live. Like that moment right there when he when he won't subject himself to to it because he's like, it's a violation of my rights. We shouldn't give up our rights just because we're scared. That's not the way this works. We get and there's something else that comes out of this episode. There's something that uh if most of you don't know because you didn't listen to the old show, and it's a thing that I love to shout because it starts in this episode they have a whole episode about it they're not on this list they have their own defiant they are red squad red squad red squad yeah red squad it's in this episode uh it is all tied up it comes down to you there dev which one is moving on uh this really should not have uh, rested on my shoulders this is one of the hardest battles for me um i love this two-parter home front paradise lost uh, just the you know, the paranoia that's that's uh, surrounding Earth and uh, the the fear that uh, that that has kind of gripped them, and 
it's making them do all of these, make all these changes to their society. They're, they're changing who they are. And the only voice of reason seems to be uh, Papa Cisco, as you like to call him. And so there's that aspect of it that I absolutely love. Um, it's, it's what are you willing to give up in order for the illusion of safety? And the, the fact that, you know, some Starfleet members are even willing to sabotage their own equipment to force the rest of, um, uh, the, rest of the Federation to kind of follow them along and turn it into a dictatorship. And, but, the, but he doesn't even view it as a dictatorship. He thinks he's doing the right thing, the Admiral. Uh, there's just so much about this two-parter that is absolutely fantastic. But like Dave said, there's something about interplay between Belducott and Cisco in Walt. Um, just the fact that that Ducat honestly thinks that he was doing the Bajorans a favor when he ruled over them, and how he tries to justify his his evil uh, as as benevolent. Um, I think there's there's just something about it that's so good. I honestly can't pick. Um, I, I, <laughs> Jesus, I really don't know which way I want to go right now. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go Homefront Paradise Lost just because it's a two-parter and uh, and is more overarching and has a lot more um, context in today's society than maybe Waltz does. So just on that basis, I'm gonna vote Paradise Lost. But this is very, very tough battle. And Homefront. Battle, <laughs> Homefront, Battlefront lost. Why, why did I say that? Paradise lost uh, is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is Who Mourns for Morn? Morn, you know, that guy who's in the background of over 100 episodes of Star Trek. Uh, he's got a whole episode about him where he dies. And it's actually a Quark episode. Uh, versus It's Only a Paper Moon. And this is a Nog episode. Nog dealing with uh, PTS. D on the hollow suite with uh, Vic Fontaine. That's right. Vic Fontaine, mofo. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Uh, this one's pretty easy for me. Uh, even though it's only a paper moon, it's a great episode. I, I just actually rewatched this. I, I tried to rewatch uh, as many of these as I could. I didn't get all of them. Um, and, and it's a great episode. Nog got coming to terms with his injury. Um, but uh, you've seen episodes like this before. I mean, this is a very well well done Star Trek version of it. Um, but uh, Who Mourns for Morn is just so much fun. Uh, it's one of the most fun episodes of Deep Space Nine. I love Quark episodes. I love I love the concept of Morn, the idea that that he's this fixture, that he's he's the norm of Quark's bar. Um, he winds up being such a resonant part of Star Trek mythology without speaking a word, and I absolutely love that. And I, and I think this was a great episode with lots of nice twists and turns. It's a great caper episode, uh, and it's a great Quark episode, which I do love. So uh, who, mourn, who mourns for mourn? Dave! Uh, yeah, it's it's the Mike thing again. But uh, yeah, no, I... I... I have to agree with Mike on some of this. I, it's I, the only paper moon. It really resonated with me. It's like, you've got guys coming back from war. You've got guys to deal with it. A lot of them are just dealing with it internally. They don't, it, that piece PTSD of coming back. He thinks everybody's looking at his leg. No one's really looking at the leg, but you can't stop from sitting there and, and trying to process this. And, and the only way he can go is he goes to the hollow suite Hollow Sweet again, and lives with Vic Fontaine. Now, 
hey, Vic Fontaine, something weird about Vic Fontaine. I always, that's, uh, this is a side. Fontaine, is he like a, he's ascension, he's apparently ascension hologram. I mean, every time I see him, he has powers and he knows what he's doing in there while everybody else in the hollow suite has no idea. I don't know if that was something Bashir put in him or whatnot, but Vic uh, comes out, he actually does come out better, but it does take time and he processes it through it on himself. But I, I love a caper. I gotta love a caper. So who learns for more? And when I'm looking at it and you, you get the little hollow more on the end of the bar. I loved it. I, I could have sworn I was going to play a little more part into it in the episode as it went through. But his mud beds, the fact that he's part of this 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 con men ring that stole this this gold press latinum, and to find out at the very very end, he fakes his death and he gets a second stomach and spits out the latinum and gives him basically it, it dark episode. It just it just unraveled with him one new person after another coming out, and everyone was their own little personality the wife, the two con men brothers that just made me laugh every time I saw it. I want to mourn on this because even though the power of the moon was there and I can relate to some of that, who mourns for mourn takes this. A vote for who mourns for mourn. I put who mourns for mourn on the list. I'm gonna pick it. It's just a fun episode. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's only Paper Moon. Real down with it, dude. His leg look weird. Oh, I'm just fucking around, but I am voting for Who Moans for Morn. Uh, Devram? Uh, yeah, for me, it's also Who Moans for Morn. Um, I love Morn. He is such a great character, and the fact that he never says a word, yet every, he has like this whole mystique and aura around him that everyone seems to appreciate. I, I love it. Uh, I love Who Moans for, for Morn, and I'm um, definitely for it. Yussie! Well, I put uh, It's Only a Paper Moon on the list, and I think it's a great example of how DS9 is the best post-9-11 genre fiction show to come out before 9-11. I, there's, it's just mind-blowing to think that, you know, a year from now there will be American troops fighting in Afghanistan who were not born on 9-11. Uh, but, you know, if it goes down to who mourns for mourn, I'm okay with that because that's also a great episode. It went down to Who Mourns for Morn. And Who Mourns for Morn is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dave, this one is yours. It is the first unknown fight of the day. Uh, it is the Magnificent Ferengi, which is the episode where all the Ferengi get together on Impoknor to go and save Quark's Moogie. And they have like a... Uh, Weekend at Bernie's, uh, Vorta, and all kinds. Of, it's a wacky Ferengi episode. Versus, I, Mike thinks I'm going to say The Ascent because it's the only thing that anybody said on our Facebook page, and that was what uh, Chris said. And then he, but he said to me privately, Purgatory. I was like, oh, that's a really good episode too. But, oh, no, not Purgatory. Uh, it doesn't matter because that's not the episode I'm going to do. It's another two-parter. It's the, it's the two-parter. We've already mentioned it once. It is In Purgatory Shadow by Inferno's Light. That is the episode where they think that the uh, there are survivors from an episode earlier that we were just talking about uh, in the Obsidian Order and the Tal Shiar, and they go to try and find them. It's Worf and Garrick, 
and they get captured and then they find out that oh my god this year has been a changeling for i don't know five six seven episodes which could be several months and the dominion is ramping up the uh has put something into the wormhole to make the wormhole pulse like things are coming through and everybody's ramping up for war the Everybody's there at Deep Space Nine. You've got the Klingon fleet there. You've got the Romulan fleet there. You've got the Federation fleet there. Everything's ramping up, ramping up. And it's like, oh, no, oh no, what's going to happen? And then Changeling Bashir is flying a runabout towards the Bajoran sun because he's going to blow it up and make it go supernova, wiping out the entire fleet of all three major alien races, leaving the door wide open for the Dominion. And that was the plan all along. And goddamn. I love that two-parter, but Dave, you may not even be able to talk about this one. It's yours. Well, considering on my sheet, it was known as unknown and not some some magical two-parter that was going to destroy Magnificent Ferengi. Magnificent Ferengi, and unfortunately did not see the episodes in which you're talking about. So... I am picking Magnificent Friangi because it was incredibly good for the episode it was. You got to see a bunch of dirty dozen type Friangis that you have, because you really kind of see a, a, a smattering of two or three Friangis on, on, on the DS9. To see the extra Friangis that you, the personalities, you got the bloodlusty one that just runs into battle. You've got the the one that's always drunk and always getting caught. And, and it's they're all fighting over the Latin. They're all trying to connive each other. It's just a really great episode. Plus, you got Iggy Pop. Come on. The, the, the voice of Iggy Pop entire time as the Vorta, it's it's great. And since I did see the episode and thought Weekend of Bernie's, which you stole my thunder on the Weekend of Bernie's because that was incredible. He's bouncing against the wall. Magnificent Frankie. I did not see the other two, so unfortunately, I cannot say anything about them. But Magnificent Frankie gets the win for me. That's all right. I got enough for it. I'm going to vote for that two-parter because that's also where we see Martok for the first time. The real Martok, not Changeling Martok. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. And the Breen. The Breen are there. The Cardassians get set free except for Garrick. And it's like, why not you? Because Golducott told us not to release you, you dickbag. Because that's when we find out the Cardassians have joined the Dominion. Dude, such a powerful two-parter. I love it. And I'm voting for it. Dev? Uh, I want to vote Magnificent Ferengi because I really enjoy that episode. Um, and as with Dave, I didn't get to actually watch these two because I barely made it through like, 75% of the episodes that we knew about, let alone this two-parter that I didn't even know was coming. Um, but you're right. That, though, that is an excellent pair of, uh, of episodes. I mean, it's been 15 years since I've saw them. So I'm basically just going off the synopsis that you put out. Uh, but the whole finding out about Bashir, you know what? I'm through it. Magnificent Ferengi. I love that episode. It was really good. I love the uh, all the different characteristics, the, the different outlooks on, on Ferengi life. Yeah, Magnificent A vote for the Magnificent Ferengi. Yussi. I really want to see uh, Magnificent Ferengi versus uh, Who Mourns for More. That's Quark versus Quark. Can't get better than that. <laughs> Another vote for the Magnificent Ferengi. Mike. Wow. I, I, I kind of almost didn't expect this. Uh, uh, I, I 
I love Magnificent Frankie. It is uh, everything everybody said. Uh, I'm glad it's moving on, but I do want to throw some more love at least to uh, to the two-parter with the very long name. What was it again? I forget about it. Um, yes, yeah, so much is revealed in there. Uh, it's a great Garrick episode. Uh, the, the moment that you see Bashir is absolutely fantastic, and I didn't see it coming. Um, it's a great episode. I, I regretted that it didn't even make this list initially. It, it certainly was on my short list. Um, but I do love Magnus and Ferengi. Uh, I guess I'm glad I'm seeing it moving on. But I will, I will throw a vote to, uh, to the unknown uh, just because it's, it's an amazing episode. You guys, if you haven't watched it, you should. It really, really, not just a lot of big stuff happens. It's, it's really well done. I mean, there's a great, great war fight. Absolutely fantastic war fight. And, and if you love Garrick, you will love that episode. It's not just a war fight. It's a Jim Hadar fight. War fighting the Jim Hadar. And you find out who the Jim Hadar are as a people in that episode. Yes, yes, yes. Magnificent Ferengi is moving on. But boy, oh boy, like there's so much groundwork laid for the la the end of the series in that two-parter. And I love it. But it's not moving on. Fuck you in Purgatory Shadow. Fuck you by Inferno's Light. I love you. We're on to our next fight. It is an easy one for me because I actually looked up what Facets was. Uh, and it's The Visitor versus Facets. And I looked up The Visitor. If you don't know what Visitor is, how the fuck did you make it this far into a Deep Space Nine episode of anything? It's The Visitor. I'm not even going to say what it is. Rubber Band Man. Uh, Facets is the episode where... Uh, Jadzia splits off her personality or her, her former lives get to relive themselves in other people's bodies for a little while so she can get to know a little bit more about herself and who she is as Dax. And then, uh, what is it? Curzon doesn't want to bail out of Odo's body. He's like, nah, we like it here. This is great. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, yeah, it's a good episode, but the, the, the fucking visitor, man, the visitor. Like that, he's crying. He kills himself so he could save his father and the rest of the galaxy. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with the visitor, Devram. Yeah, for me, it's also gonna have to be visitor. I mean, I really liked facets. I liked the fact that you got to hear about, like you, you've been hearing about um, Dax's previous host for what four seasons, uh, three seasons at this point, and then you finally get to encounter them and see how just how different they really are, and how she kind of incorporates little pieces from each of them into her into how she lives her life um so i really like that episode and um i i can't wait to actually sit down and watch it with my girlfriend who apparently had never seen star trek before so or D space nine at least uh so we sat down and over the past you know three or four weeks have gotten almost all the way through the first seasons and uh, i can't wait man we've been talking about dax and her previous host and how we actually get to meet them in that episode. but the Visitor is such a heartbreaking story uh, about how he, Jake basically ruins his life because all he cares about is, is uh, getting his father back. Um, no one believes initially that, that his father is anything but dead, that, he, that he's lost, but he's, he's so sure that he... Okay, so at first he, he also doesn't believe he thinks it's uh, something happened in his mind, but then when he finds out, he dedicates his life to it. At the of everything else so he his whole dream throughout the entire show up to now is he wants to be a writer he cares about writing he doesn't want to join starfleet all he cares about is being a writer and having given that up in order to help save his father there's just something so tragic about that and um it's 
uh, it's an excellent episode. So yeah, let's go visit her. Yussi. Well, spoiler alert: the final is probably going to be in the pale moonlight versus the visitor, and those went up against my picks. And I, I really do appreciate what facets do. That's why I put it on the list. I'm just, you know, glad to hear that people are, uh, you know, uh, caught up with it because it's amazing. It's it's really, you know, one of those Trek tropes, right? The alien possession thing, because now people can fight and now people can hook up because it's not the real characters are just in their bodies and the actors get to do something different. But at the end of the day, it's something which really explores the idea of um, identity and, and, you know, is the past past? And, you know, at what point do you, do you become a new person and you get Curdo? That's what I call him. That's Odo's version of uh, Curzon Dax. But yes, The Visitor is the better episode. Mike? Um, the visitor gets a lot of love. It got a lot of love on our best, uh, deep or our best Star Trek, uh, episode, uh, episode. It actually, I think in the second episode lost out to inner light to move on to the finals. Uh, and it is a powerful episode an emotional episode. Uh, but I'm still going to vote for facets. I, I in, in a lot of ways, I do like it more. Uh, it's a more, uh, it's, it's a, a more, it's a clever episode. They, they do something with this idea of the trill that, uh, that, you know, sort of unexpected, and it does give a chance for all of the actors involved to to do something very different. I, I think you know Odo is fantastic, and Avery Brooks gives an absolutely spectacular and terrifying performance that he is not able to give anywhere else on Deep Space Nine. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a, an underrated episode, and I think The Visitor is a bit of an overrated episode. Uh, it's probably going to chug on through. A lot of people love it. Um, I, I will explain more uh, some of the problems I have with it in the next round because obviously it's going on. Uh, but I'm going to vote for facets anyway. Dave. Well, my vote doesn't really count, but um, as it goes to of the visitor, like you said, if you're, you, you don't know the visitor when you're listening to this podcast, if you don't know it by now, you shouldn't be here. And the visitor was one of the few that made it from my childhood into these years and so after after high school it's this this episode this embodies my relationship with my dad this is this is the episode it's like you have that strange relationship if you have any sort of father issues have any sort of abandonment issues you are bawling by the end of this episode and if you can't say that you are crying in this episode you are not a man because this is this this one hit me it every every time I watch it, it hits me, and I, I, I'm sorry I couldn't even give facets the shot after this because I was watching them back to back, back to back. Let's do a compare, a deep dive. I was just like, all right, I got to call, I got to call my dad. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's too powerful. I, I I can't I can't get away from the visitor, and I got to pick the visitor. And the visitor is moving on. We're on to our next fight, uh, Dev. This one is yours. Uh, we've got another one where if you don't know what the if you, it's far beyond the stars, you don't know what far beyond the stars is, and you're what forty minutes into fifty minutes into a Deep Space Nine podcast, why are you still listening? It's far beyond the stars. Go watch Far Beyond the Stars. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Versus the Sword of Kalos, and the Sword of Kalos is where uh, is it Worf and Dax go and find the Sword of Kalos with Core? I believe it's Core. 
And then it kind of changes them a bit. I think uh, they also killed the, the Duras son in that episode. The youngest Duras, the little boy from earlier on where Worf is like, in Next Generation, is like, I have your life and I give it to you. I will not kill you here, but I could, but I'm not going to. And then in that episode, he fucking slaughters him and I love it. Uh, but Devrim, that fight is yours. Far Beyond the Stars versus Sword of Kalos. I actually don't like Far Beyond the Stars. I don't like any of the like the time travel weird metaphors. Like the just um, so I'm definitely voting Sword of Kalos. Um, I put it on the list because it's a Klingon episode, and I love uh, and this one specifically. Talking about you know when they when they hold that sword, and um, everyone who holds it kind of has a different vision of of what it means to be a Klingon and what uh, and what the proper path is and. And oh, if I hold it, then I can be uh, the true leader for the Klingon Empire. Um, I really like that episode, so I'm voting for Sword. Of- uh, vote for Sword of Kalos. Yussi. Yussi, you gotta press the button to talk. Sorry. I hit the wrong arrow. Uh, so I was on an episode of the 10 Forward podcast where uh, I had to pick my five favorites. And uh, two of them were uh, Far Beyond the Stars and something which is coming up a little later. So uh, that is the one that I'm definitely going with. I think that it is, uh, it has balls. I mean, it's willing to say, hey, what if this Star Trek thing is in-universe fiction? And that's pretty impressive. And that's only the thing you could do halfway through uh, season six. A vote for Far Beyond the Stars, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm also going to vote for Far Beyond the Stars. Um, I love Klingon episodes too, uh, but uh, but I also love the the weird. Uh, I mean, this is is not really a time travel episode. It's actually one of the the Visions of the Prophets episodes, and I love those. I love I love that aspect of Deep Space Nine. Uh, I love. Uh, cisco as as messiah i love uh all of that kind of element and and again we get a, a very interesting very poignant uh story where again we get to see you know our our very very talented cast take on different aspects and, and michael dorn not have to wear makeup so uh far beyond the stars dave all right either i push this on into uh, into a tiebreaker for you or I just keep on going and doing what I'm doing right now. Um, the, the sort of Kalos, I, I really did like it. At the Indiana Klingons meeting Total Recall, big open your mind. And, and you get the reversing the polarity, which is a favorite of mine from, uh, they borrowed that. Um, the sentient, the, uh, for me, it was always the sentence bot lot. It was like, it was basically, it belongs in a museum. And, and of course, that's what they do. They fire it off in a space at the very end of it. The inklings of Indiana Jones or those, any, anything um, where they're going in to find this thing that they can't find and nobody touching it. It's like almost power and everybody feels it. But but far beyond the stars, I know it gets all the credit. Loved seeing everybody get played as different characters. Um, you got to see Martok as, as as just a regular illustrator. You got to see Dukat as a as a kind of a corrupt white cop. You got to see Wayun, everybody living in the fifties, the racial undertones. Every, it just 
but he still fought to put that out, even though everything was against him. And he, and and then only to find out that maybe, and then Cisco at the end, maybe we are imagination. We're somebody writing us in the future. I mean, in, in, it's always a really powerful episode. It unfortunately, I really liked Kayla, sort of Kalis. Far beyond the stars put up against it is a tough, a tough one. So it, I'm sorry. Far behind the far beyond the stars takes out sort of Kalis for me. I'll vote for Far Beyond the Stars, and I will too be voting for Far Beyond the Stars. Sorry, sort of Kalis. You 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 put up a, a Klingon style fight, but we are on to our next fight. Yeah, see, this one is yours. It is emissary. It's not the TNG episode emissary. It's the next. It's the Deep Space Nine episode emissary, which is the premiere of Deep Space Nine. It's the first episode. It, it the first two episodes, and it defines. Everything you're ever going to see in Deep Space Nine. If you do not like Emissary, you can just turn it off. You don't have to bother. They literally tell you everything you need to know about the series and where it's going. Versus Tears of the Prophet. That's where Gold Dukat comes and kills Jadzia Dex. Yep, I said it. She dies at the end of the season, and it's real, real sad. Other stuff happens. That's the only thing anybody really remembers or really cares about. Go ahead, Yessi. Well, there's a, a certain symmetry between them because, you know, at b- both of them, you've got Cisco ends up at this really low point uh, professionally, personally. Someone close to him dies. You know, how is can he even go on? Is, is there a point to going on? But, you know, when I, when I look at that, I remember my first geek fight ever was a uh, best end. You know, when we were talking about all good things and I said, TNG, you know, they, they stuck the landing. But DS9 started it off just amazingly well. And Tears of the Prophets is a nearly perfect episode, but you just have the feeling that, you know, Terry Farrell was leaving the show. They had to get rid of her. They tried to give her a meaningful death. And I don't feel that it, that that it really works, you know, why she is in the place that she is. So Gold Dukat can walk in at that moment and kill her. I, I don't feel it, it it quite works. So th- there's real emotion behind it, but that is a nearly perfect episode versus a perfect episode. So the emissary takes it. I'll vote for emissary, Mike. Yeah, I will also vote for emissary. Um, like you said, it actually sets so much up um it it gives them a map that they they do follow i mean i I actually remember watching emissary right before uh the series finale which is not on here um and then afterwards thinking just what an amazing bookend it was and they had no idea what they where this was going to land this wasn't uh, deep space nine may have sort of become serialized but when they started with that first episode they didn't really have this big plan involved. They they set up mysteries that they figured they could get to eventually, and they do. And they actually, you know, it it, it as weird as it sounds, it feels like the people who want who wrote Deep Space Nine actually watched all the episodes. And sometimes you didn't get that impression from watching Next Generation. Um, th- there's a tight unity that begins here, uh, and it is a very very well crafted episode. Um, it's got Picard in it. It it, it starts at at uh, Wolf three five nine. Um, Really, I think it just it just sets up all of these characters in a fantastic way that 
uh, you don't necessarily see at the time. I think I think looking back at it now, it's a much stronger episode than I ever thought it was back then. And I thought it was great. I'm not one of those people who thinks Deep Space Nine sucked at first. I thought it actually was great. And I think this, this is probably the best premiere out of all of Star Trek, in my opinion. So uh, I'm going to vote for Emissary. Dave! Um, well, I, I don't think I could be more eloquent than Mike was. Um I just watched Emissary this morning. So it, it was the first time I've ever seen it. Um, and because I was trying to catch up for the episodes for all this. And I, I'm so glad I did. Laid that groundwork for the what was to come. And you, you had Picard. You had that animosity between Cisco and Picard because Picard, as Locutus, had killed his, uh, Jennifer. And... You could see it. And and as he went through and progressed through the episode and talking to the wormhole aliens and the prophets, and he's and, and they're like, You are here. And they're they're trying to explain, he's trying to explain linear life forms, and they're literally going, You're bringing us to the destruction of and the death of Jennifer. You keep bringing it, you have to change. And just to get to the point where Episode where you can see he relaxes. He's not holding Picard responsible anymore for the death because he is moving on. And it, it just—it was a very good pair of episodes. Um, it, it worked very well, establishing all the uh, characters you're going to come and know and love. And it, it's nice to see Bashir come out of the gates like all like frontier. I'm going to do this, and Kira is just like. Here is this really angry Bajoran, and to see how they progressed throughout the entire seven seasons, incredible. And unfortunately, Tears of the Prophet—I know the next died at that point, but I could see myself watching that to do that. But the emissary—it laid the groundwork for everything that was to come. I don't think you can beat emissary. You can't knock emissary off the list, and emissary's got to move. Oh, vote for emissary. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that you know he that Bashir comes off the ship all uh, you know oh I'm on the frontier, but you didn't say the part that that really hits home, which is your frontier is my home. Kira isn't angry; she's more terse. She's like, no, you think this is fun? This is what I live in. This is my life. And what you said and what how you're acting is disrespectful. And at that moment, you find out who Bashir is. And exactly who Kira is. And those characters don't really divert from that first moment when you meet them there. Like, that's that's the thing. I, like, they grow and they change a bit, but they are who they are in the first episode of the show. That is crazy. Go back and watch the, the uh, first episode of Friends and the last episode of Friends. Every last one of those fucking characters is a completely different character. Completely different but not Deep Space Nine. They knew who they were, and they knew where they wanted to go. They just didn't know how to get there. And uh, yeah, I got to go Emissary. Devram, is it a clean sweep for Emissary? Um, it probably should be, but I'm going to give Tears of the Prophets uh, a little bit of love. Um, Jadzia turns out to be a great character. Like When she first starts, just another one of the average five or six, seven, however many cast members there were, the, the um, by the time it gets down to here, um, they've introduced Worf. They've introduced the Worf-Jadzia relationship. They've gotten married. They've become like this. 
this warrior power couple, which I really like. Um, uh, she turned out to be one of my absolute favorite characters, and to have her killed off in such kind of almost like a throwaway, it, it seemed like such a waste to have such an amazing character get killed off in such a way. Um, this is a great episode. I, I really like this episode. I, I didn't like the way she died and the fact that she died, and I hated when they Ezri, like that one. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that when we start talking about some of the seven. Um, I'm just going to give, I'm going to vote for Tears of the Prophets because there's a little bit of love, but I understand that Emissary definitely should. And Emissary is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Mike, this one is an easy one for you. It's Duet. Uh, once again, another episode. If you don't know what the fuck Duet is, why the fuck are you still listening? Versus Hard Time. Which I can understand, you not knowing this. It's an O'Brien episode where he gets put in prison, but it's only in his head. It was only for a few hours, but he thought he lived like 40 years in prison and he might have killed a dude. Whatever, Mike. Uh, I'm going to vote for Duet, uh, even though generally speaking, a lot of the stories focusing on the uh, the Cardassian occupation uh, as backstory uh, tended to be some of the stuff I didn't like as much on Deep Space Nine, uh, which is strange because I do absolutely love both Dukat and uh, and Kai Wynn. Uh, but, you know, when we get into, like, Kira's time in the Resistance, I usually sort of blank out. Um, but this is an absolutely magnificent episode. Uh, and it's a season one episode, uh, which, like, at this point, this was as good as anything that had been on, on Next Generation at that point, or at least in terms of its of its drama and its its performance. Um, it really let you know that Deep Space Nine was not going to pull any punches in terms of of dealing with with characters in a way that Next Gen couldn't, because it was limited by sort of the, these ideal Federation characters. I mean, we really get to see a lot more. Uh, a, a wider variety of moralities on Deep Space Nine than we can get away with on Next Generation, um, and and I and it, I mean it was just it just kept you going and and it has that, that absolutely fantastic ending. Uh, I I love this episode, uh, and I and I think this is one of those great examples of yeah the, this show really was nailing some amazing stuff, uh, you know really when it started not not just a, a show that, that became great later. So as much as uh, as much as uh, I, I I may. Uh, Let's see. I can't remember. Oh, a hard hard times. A fantastic episode. Go watch that. I mean, if you do, if you don't know what it is, go watch it. It's a great O'Brien episode. But uh, watch Duet first because it's better. I'll vote for Duet, Dave. Well, um, I, I I agree with Mike on that. I I agree with Mike on Duet. I mean, it was an incredible episode. Um, you, it, interesting look into guilt and the fact that the the levels and the Kira has towards. Uh, Maritza, which is not Maritza, she thinks he's Goldar Heel, but he he is just this lowly little clerk that pretends to be the butcher, has to pay for what he didn't do, and it, it's it's incredibly powerful. And and even Kira's turnabout on it, like where she just wanted vengeance, she wanted justice for everybody that have that happened at, at the Galtap labor camp, but. He does. I mean, it's a very, very powerful episode. But so is Hard Time because you, you sit there and look at it in the span of five minutes. You realize that O'Brien has been mentally for 20 years in his mind because of a, because he asked a question. And that was 
just the the idea of someone going to prison and coming out it, it that's it, that's really and then how he treated uh, Keiko and how he treated Molly and how he treated Quark he he tried to attack Quark he he did everything he tried to kill himself until Bashir talked him down and just seeing how people are trying to reintroduce to some as powerful as duet was the development of Kira even in that first season episode I go I got to go hard time on this because it's seeing O'Brien go through that this happy go lucky kind of guy 20 years of incarceration behind him and he do it, he went through it in an hour and it, it just it's insane and plus they were also a little bit of bonus black mirror there it was black mirror before black mirror was black mirror it's, Hard time is too powerful. I, I gotta take. I gotta take hard time. A vote for hard time. Yeah. Well, fuck you, Dave. You just made it hard for me because I was like, yeah, hard time. I'll just cut it and just don't even pay any attention to it. I'll just go with duet because Mike was really good at duet. And fuck you, Mike, too, because you were really good explaining why duet is great, and they are both great episodes. And that's right. We're trying to determine which is the best fucking Deep Space Nine episode. God damn it. This one sucks. This one sucks a lot because they are very good, small, emotional episodes. And and he isn't just incarcerated because incarceration, like people who are incarcerated in Europe, they're probably fine in most of those countries because incarceration is you did something wrong and you we've taken away some of your rights, but we're not torturing you. He was tortured. He was tortured in his incarceration. Like he, he was abused for those 20 years. And he ended up killing a dude right before he got released, which is super fucked up. You know, um, yeah. both of these episodes were actually on our best uh, Deep Space Nine or best of Star Trek episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even even like narrowed down uh, both of these episodes. Made. Because they're great. And it's easy to just one off throw a vote out there. Yeah, I'll just vote this way. I'm going to vote for hard time. At this point in time, I can very easily be swayed to duet. It will not take hard anything. I'm, I'm asking you to give me a reason to vote for duet because right now I'm voting I, for hard I time. Can, I can sway it hard time. No, no, I'm gonna let Even the other, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let the other people. I'm gonna let the other people sway me. Ephraim? Yeah, this one's tough for me as well. Um, I love duet. That that was such a great episode and. You know, at the beginning, you're so sure that, oh, this is the guy. Uh, he's pretending to be um, someone else. Uh, this is the old mistaken identity, but he's the bad guy and he deserves to be punished. And then you kind of find out that not the bad guy, but he wants to be because he wants to be punished. Um, it was a really uh, episode. Like, I love that episode. However, Hard Time is also such a good episode as well. Um, the whole... Uh, Mental torture, uh, physical torture. At, well, okay, so he, he remembers it as physical torture. Um, such a great episode. Uh, you know what? I'm going to vote duet. It's a vote for duet. So, Yossi, this is, this is easy for you. It's all tied up. You get to choose. Have fun. Gee, thanks. So Damon was actually with me on that uh, 10 Forward podcast episode, uh, and this was my other choice, duet. And yet, you know, I, I 
I'm almost swayed by uh, hearing this stuff about uh, Hard Time. It is an amazing episode. And, you know, I think it, just on their merits, if we put them up against each other, it would be hard to choose. But then we we have to remember where DS9 was in season one. You know, Emissary was a strong start, and then it it stumbled... It didn't really seem to have that the, the the strength to justify why do we need another Star Trek series? And then we got to duet and we saw this is something which you can't do anywhere else because of the history, because we know who Kira is, because we know who Dukat is, because we know who Cisco is, because we know who Odo is. It can all come together and we can have this amazing uh, episode that people to this day will argue about who are the Cardassians in this position? You know, who are the Bajorans? You know, what is the analogy? Uh, I'm sticking with Duet. Thanks, Yossi. You uh, basically swayed me. Mike, were you saying something? Oh, the, there was one interesting point brought up on the, the previous episode, sort of. Uh, where, where these were discussed is that hard time is in many ways kind of the the dark mirror of inner light oh shit god damn it good thing i didn't change my vote i already wrote, wrote it down duet is moving on god damn it. it it is it is an inner light oh you son of a bitches from like three and a half years ago who was it was it was it uh larry that said that no i actually think it was michael that kind of uh noted that fucking michael son of a bitch but we're moving on to our next fight dave this one is yours it is one little ship and that's where you have the tiny runabout flying around on the defiant where it's been captured the defiant has been overrun by jim hadar and the tiny runabout saves the day and once more into the breach is where well core once more into the breach he wants to have his glorious battles before he dies so he can go to Stovacor. Uh yeah. Um well this one this one was interesting too. I, I really like the combination of the two because they're they couldn't they couldn't really be polar opposites. <laughs> um it, it it's once more into the breach. I, I did like I always liked Core. Uh Core coming back, his relationship with Dax. Um he's the the, the uh, he's basically this this aging aging Klingon that and you can tell he's losing it because he, he there's a couple of times during the episode that he even just forgets that he's where he is and he's hanging and fighting and in in 20 years ago and it's sucks i mean hey <laughs> i mean i'm i'm only in my 40s and i'm already knowing getting old sucks it's 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 one of those episodes where you look at it and everyone's dismissing him, but but there are people that are holding him in high regard. But of course, uh, yeah, Martok going no, this he's just causing problems. He's there. He's getting he's getting praise he shouldn't get. But then finally, at the end, he redeems himself in in a way befitting of a, of a Klingon. He goes out and fights the Jemadar in under in like overwhelming odds, and and. They don't know if he makes it. They don't know. They they assume he doesn't, and I don't see him again. So I'm assuming he didn't make it. But it, it's a pretty powerful episode for you. Getting old for a Klingon or for a human sucks. Get, getting old for a Klingon, you might as well just send them in. I mean, send them out to pasture because they're not worth anything anymore. 
Uh, but then you got one little ship, and one little ship is that fantastic voyage episode where they shrink down, they're really small, flying around. There's a good interaction between some Jem Hadar guys, number one and number two, the first and the second. You got that thing that they're that they're now above their they're above the people that came before them. They 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 know more than their than their elders in this episode. It was it was kind of tough because once I started seeing the two against each other, it's it's they're two completely different episodes. But one little ship for me, it made me smile. It, I laughed. I said, "What are we gonna do? Fly up to the window and knock?" It's it's the little the little things. It's just a, no pun intended. The little things. But one little ship for me beats out one more into the once more into. The- I'll vote for one little ship. Uh, yeah, I had more fun with uh, one little ship. I don't honestly think this bracket matters at all because I just looked at the bracket above and it's got the visitor far beyond the stars emissary and duet. So, yeah, why not go with fun? One little ship. <laughs> uh, Devram? Uh, yeah, I just watched one little ship uh, yesterday, actually. Um, it is a really fun episode. I mean, it's it's so, I don't know, it's cute. Um, but to put that against um, uh, uh, one final, once more into the breach, is that what it's called? Once um, more into the breach, yes. Once more into the breach, yeah. Uh, another great Klingon episode um, for oh, last hurrah. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, I think, more. So I'm going to vote once more. Once more gets a vote. Yussie? Yeah, I... I think that um, while these are both uh, great episodes, and actually, I think we can safely say that all DS9 episodes, with the exception of three, are great. Still, you know, once more onto the breach, you, you sort of, you sort of saw where it was going. It was very well done along the way, but you know, like okay, it's the final season. We're bringing back core. You know, he wants a glorious death. He's probably going to get it. They're probably not going to kill off Worf. Uh, and, you know, it, it it was, as I said, very well done. But one little ship, we so needed that. I, I think we've got like six out of the first seven episodes to air in uh, 1998. Because season six was so dense and so powerful. We really needed a, you know, silly, fun episode. And that's why I love One Little Ship. I'll vote for one little ship. Mike Ortiz. One little ship. One little ship is moving on. Damon, this fight is yours. Uh, it is Way of the Warrior. Yet again, I'm not going to say what Way of the Warrior is. If you are literally an hour and a half into this episode and you don't know what Way of the Warrior is, why are you still listening? You could have just watched Way of the Warrior. You could have watched Way of the Warrior. Right. Uh, versus Soldiers of the Empire, which is uh, basically Martok returning to be in the Klingon fleet after he's been captured by the, uh, what do you call those things, the Jim Hadar, and trying to reacclimate himself on a ship full of losers with a Federation first officer in Worf and uh, a science officer in Dax. And nobody believes in anybody, and things are falling apart, and blah 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 blah. I don't care. Way of the Warrior is getting a vote from me. 
dev room? I think it's super unfair that you would put two awesome Klingon episodes against each other like this. Um, this should be this battle should be happening like in the third or fourth round, not very. Um, I want to vote Soldiers of the Empire because I love the interaction between um, Worf and the other Klingons and and Dak having been Klingon friend, um, all being on small little bird of prey. Um, Martok trying to kind of regain his uh, his standing, regain his personal pride, um, his guts, balls. Um, really, really good episode. However, you really can't put that against Way of the Warrior. A great two-parter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to vote Way of the Warrior, although I really wish Soldier of the Empire would. Uh, another vote for Way of the Warrior. Yussi? Um, I will do that, Deborah. I will vote for Soldiers of the Empire because I think real Martok is better than Changeling Martok. We don't know that this Martok is... Oh, wait, yeah, we do. Uh, Mike? Um, I will vote for Way of the Warrior. Um, to, we, we have twice on the show told the story of uh, of how we watched Way of the Warrior. I don't know, should we say it here or save it for next round since I think uh, my vote makes it win, right? Your vote puts it over the top, yes. Okay, well, then uh, then we'll save it. But uh, yeah, the, the two separate occasions on our show, and I actually listened to both of them in the last a couple of months, uh, we relay the story of how we we first saw Way of the Warrior, and it's a very good story, and I'll save it for next round. Dave! Oh, man, I really wanted to be a tiebreaker. You guys suck. Um, I, I'm going to be... I, I'm not going to help. It matters any. I wasn't even going to put... I, I like Soldiers of, uh, Soldiers of the Empire. On Dirty doesn't feel... Uh, but Way of the Warrior introduced Worf to DS9. Uh, you're dealing with uh, the... The Klingons attacking the Cardassians. It was all, everyone's flying around. There's so many space battles. I, I very much enjoyed the season uh, four entries of the first and the second episodes. The Way of the Warrior was beating Soldiers of the Empire, even though it was an unfair match. Uh, they, I, I wish they would have met further down the line. Honorable victory, but uh, Way of the Warrior is the one for me. Way of the Warrior is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dev, this one is yours. It is a two-parter. It's past tense. It's the one where Cisco goes back in time to, uh, what do you call it? Well, accidentally goes back in time to, uh, what, five years from the now? The Bell Rides, yeah, five years, 2024. Yeah, five years from now in 2024, uh, he becomes Gabriel Bell. And uh, basically... We are so close to the society that's in that episode. It's not even funny. Uh, versus, you know, what was it? Whispers. And that's where O'Brien is here and everybody talking about him. And he doesn't know why. And blah, 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 blah. And it turns out that O'Brien isn't O'Brien. He's not O'Brien. He's some guy who thinks he's O'Brien. Ah! Uh, Dev. Again, not a great, uh, a tough battle. Um, past tense. I really like, like I said, I don't generally like those um, time travel episodes or holodeck episodes. They're the ones that kind of take you out of Star Trek and bring you towards something else, and people are playing like different types. Of However, this is um, this is a little different. Um, kind of what you said about how our society is kind of moving towards. Um, there, there's a lot of aspects of that, and it it, it was. 
I don't know if it was a fun pair of episodes to watch, but it was a good episode to watch. Um, that being said, I'm definitely voting Whispers. Whispers is um, one of the episodes I put on there. It was actually the first one I selected to put on this list because uh, I just love how creepy the vibe is. Um, o- O'Brien's kind of narrating it's an O'Brien-centric show episode. Um, he's narrating about um, these weird feelings that he's getting and the music kind of matches it. And the mood lighting kind of matches it. And everything just kind of pushes you towards paranoia. Just the way people are reacting to him. Um, the look on his wife's face. Uh, Keiko, when when he's trying to kiss her or hug her or, or or do more intimate things with her, and just how standoffish she is, like it just it it puts you on edge, and you're kind of on edge throughout the entire episode, not knowing what the hell's going on. And then in the end, it turns out it's not even actually O'Brien. O'Brien has been in captivity and was recently rescued. Um, this is a a replicant that was made of him, but who has all of his memories, and and he's feels like O'Brien. He thinks he's O'Brien. Um, it, I really, really like this episode, and it was a, a very good storytelling. Uh, uh, the way they, they told the story was really, really well done. So, uh, just on that alone, I'm definitely voting. Yeah, see? Well, I am thinking Captain Morgan, who, as you know, is a Star Trek character from the TNG episode cause and effect, played by Kelsey Grammer. And in that spirit, I will say, for God's sake, Miles, past tense is a superior episode! A vote for past tense. Uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, you uh, you kind of nailed it, Damon, when you said that this is five years away from now, and it actually could be five years away from now. Uh, like I mentioned before, um, Star Trek uh, sometimes hits a little too close to home, and this one it does literally... Uh, you know, back when this first aired, I never really thought about the, the, the possibility of this actually being true. I mean, and on one hand, Star Trek got the eugenics wars of the nineties completely wrong. We have no con, we have no genetic Superman, but they completely nailed it on, uh, inequality or income inequality, uh, the internet, um, the, uh, lack of care for, uh, the, the poor and the mentally ill, uh, they seem to have predicted all of that pretty damn well, but they got the genetic Superman wrong. Uh, I guess we're still on track for World War III and Vulcans by 2061, but uh, kind of sucks to be now. So, uh, past tense. Uh, Dave? Ladies, two I haven't seen. So I have not seen past tense or where those were the uh, two that I didn't make it to on this list. So it's interesting because now I'm going between Yossi and, and Mike or with Dev, very, very compelling argument. Because, of course, I'm a sucker for like O'Brien. No nonsense. does all the things. And the synopsis of this entire going through this, and I can the lighting changes and the music changes and, and I like that tense kind of pod person mentality that everyone is changing around and you're wondering like who is who's against you watch better 
and then to find out at the end that he's just that clone and healings tell Keiko I love her. His dying words go I love her, even though he's not O'Brien. Those feelings and all that, all his memories. I I think when I'm done with this podcast, I think that's the episode I'm going to go watch because that's the one I'm I, I, I'm I'm choosing whispers on this one. Past tense, be damned. A vote for whispers, uh, which is fine. It's all tied up. It comes down to me. Go fucking watch past tense because it's a much better episode. Past tense is moving on. Uh, we are at the last fight of the first round. Uh, Yussi, it's yours, but. We don't know what the other unknown is. It's Trials and Tribulations. Once again, if you don't know what Trials and Tribulations is, turn this fucking thing off. Go watch some goddamn Deep Space Nine. But Mike has the other unknown. What is it, Mike? Uh, the other unknown? Um, I, I'm I'm breaking the rules here because Deep Space Nine is a, a show that broke the rules. Uh, and I'm I'm picking something that I wanted to put on here uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, Yasi just sort of casually mentioned earlier that we have a run of episodes on here, um, mm-hmm. episodes that, that are all kind of in a sequential order. So I'm adding one that I absolutely love, and actually, again, this one did make the other the other uh, geek fight about Star Trek episodes, uh, and it's statistical probabilities. The episode where the other sort of uh, autistic or weird augments show up and predict. Uh, lots of, of wonderful things about our our failure to be to, to defeat the Dominion, and uh, and then they hatch a plot to kind of uh, give the Dominion information to end the war, and uh, but then they 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 lose. Uh, so it's basically super smart weird people, uh, and I I love the episode, and I put it on here because uh, it actually tacks one more onto that block, so it becomes this really weird. A block of Star Trek that just demonstrates how powerful that particular season of Star Trek and that particular time of Star Trek was. So statistical probabilities. That's right. Season six. Who doesn't love it? Yussi. Which one are you voting for? Oh, Mike. Damn it. <laughs> you know, I had this whole thing prepared about we went on vacation to the city of Tiberius, and so I'm going to vote for the only you know, post TOS episode that features James Tiberius Kirk, but I love statistical probabilities. And, you know, there's also the fact that that relates to the, um, the other episode, Dr. Bashir, I presume, in which we find out that uh, the father of Bashir is played by a famous Jerusalem born actor. We only have two. Okay, we got Natalie Portman and we got Brian George. He was also showed up on Seinfeld. Uh, but he's actually a Jew born in Jerusalem. I'm going to go statistical probabilities uh, because, yeah, it is a lot of fun. And it, uh, you know, it really gave that depth to a character who we just thought was was a prick. That That's all we thought of Bashir at the beginning. And then suddenly turns out he has this whole uh, history, you know, of of stuff which happened, you know, even before he was born. And that's an interesting uh, ethical quandary. So statistical probabilities. Uh, vote for statistical probabilities. Mike. Um, yeah, I'm going to vote for statistical probabilities also. Um, it's uh, one of the things that I really like about it, and, and it's a very good you know, point about Star Trek, is, is that ultimately uh, this, is, this is about um, 
about the unknown. I mean, that's what that's what defeats these guys. They thought they knew all the answers, uh, but they didn't because there's always something that you can't expect. And then it's actually kind of a very uh, powerful and interesting idea. And as much as I love Trials and Tribulations, and it is a blast, it is a tremendously fun episode, uh, there, there's one thing that I've also complained about in the past that I, I kind of still can't forgive it for, and that's I absolutely hate how it handled the Klingons. Um, everything else about it was wonderful. Uh, classically, you know, when they changed the Klingons over, the official story was just always pretend that they always looked like this. Uh, although there were fan theories that maybe there were just different races of Klingons. But when we saw the three Klingons from the original series show up with bumpy foreheads, then that just validates the whole, okay, they've always looked like that and just pretend that the other episodes, uh, all looked like that. So when they kind of introduced that idea of, of they look differently at that time. I mean, I know it came, they, they've sort of played it out in, in enterprise, but honestly, I just thought that whole, that whole approach was dumb and they could have solved it by just putting Michael Dorn in old fashioned Klingon makeup. Um, and, and actually just sort of playing it that way that even he looks that way when he was back then. I mean, they, 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 they it was a cop out. It was a cheap way to, to tackle it. And, uh, and ultimately they could have just done any number of original series episodes that didn't have Klingons in it. If they didn't want to actually try and tackle that idea. So um, even though I love it and it's a lot of fun, that one thing ever since it's aired has been sort of sticking in my side. So I'm voting against it here. A vote for statistical probabilities. Dave? Well, I, don't, I actually, to be honest, I haven't seen statistical. I like the idea of the super smart people coming in, giving the odds of whether or not they can and like coming up I, I believe that was the one where they came up at the very end and like there you can't win this this is something you can't win they still did it right is yeah, that yeah they're they're uh all of their mathematical okay. models showed that the dominion would win so that we should surrender now I, and seeing something like that that defeatist attitude but yet still persevering I like that um trials and tribulations was tribulations was one of the ones that i actually put on here and we're re-watching it again. Still one of those things where you could tell where they were interested, things even though they were doing. It's a stronger episode, like statistical probability. I think statistical probability has to take it more. It's more DS9. It's trials and tribulations because it's a funny little throwaway episode. But statistical probability gets my a vote for statistical probability. I think because either I'm sidelining or he is, <laughs> but either way, yeah, I didn't get a lot of it. Statistical probability. Well, what he said was the uh, trials and tribulations is a fun throwaway episode, but. Statistical probabilities is more of a Deep Space Nine episode, which is which is true. Uh, and the reason why they didn't just put Michael Dorn in goddamn Klingon makeup from the original series because the original series Klingon makeup just fucking brown face. That's all it is. Michael Dorn's face is already brown, so you're gonna lighten him up. Is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna put that goddamn gold makeup on his dark, beautiful brown skin? Then just put the Fu Manchu mustache on. Oh, that's all you wanted was the Fu Manchu mustache with no. Okay, okay, all right, sure. Fuck you, Mike. I'm voting for Trials and Tribulations just for that. Uh, Dev? Uh, the proper answer to why the old-style Klingons looked like that is because they were um, genetically altered look like that, so the humans wouldn't freak out and they, they wouldn't look too alien. I, I mean, that's, that's my headcanon. I think that was 
described somewhere. Um, sounds good to me. That was in the the final countdown uh, book and the FASA role playing game. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I did love the FASA role playing game. I did a lot of uh, Starfleet battles when I was younger. Um, so I'm also voting Trials and Tribulations. Um, that was a super fun episode. I don't remember seeing statistical probabilities. I mean, obviously I did because I've gone through the entire season, uh, at least once many years ago. Uh, it's not one that I watched on this rerun, three that I've been on, however. Um, it makes sense that someone who was only looking analytically would view the Dominion as an unbeatable foe, but they don't uh, take into, heart, into mind the, the heart and the pluck of the, uh, the Federation. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm still going to vote for a Trials and Tribulations, despite the fact that I say I don't like time travel. But Statistical Probabilities is moving on. Fucking Mike. And we'll be back after this short message from, I don't know, Jesus? Uh, stuff? Currently, humanity looks to the internet for its information. We have stood at the edge of despair, and would have fallen. If not for awesome podcasts, and their content of everything we love. Now these podcasts are all brought together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum, covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let them try. Hello, miss. I am here to save you. Samurai Jack, oh my goodness, I'm saved. These Imakandi hunters captured me hours ago. Are you okay? You look really stressed out. I am a bit weary from my travels. Well, if you ask me, you need to go on a Geek Nation tour and have some fun. Oh, oh no. The hunters have returned. The more the merrier on a Geek Nation tour. And see, I've changed into my talking about geek stuff voice so we can come back in, coming back at you with what we do every week. And now when I say that, and you can kind of hear me go every week, go back and listen to the original episodes. And we really did do it every week and see that there's yeah, that pause. That, that's why that's why we gave up. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was so much work. But now it's every month. We come at you once a month with some geek cred. And we're going to go all the way to Israel. Yussi Block, what is your geek cred? I finally lost my con virginity. I went to ICON, which is the uh, Israel, uh, you know, fancy and science fiction uh, convention in Tel Aviv. It's uh, over the holiday of Sukkot, which is the festival of booths. So, you know, what better time? And it was uh, quite a challenge with an almost three-year-old and almost six-year-old and an almost 12-year-old uh, corralling all of them, you know, and I would have these weird texts with, with my wife, and, and I'm like, I just ran past Red Hood. Uh, I mean, Deadpool. And it was, uh, you know, a lot of fun, but 
you know, I, I think that it's uh, a fun, uh, you know, pastime to do. And 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 uh, I certainly want to go back. Neil Gaiman showed up at one of these. So, uh, you know, it's a real con. Yes, he went to a con. Hey, uh, Dave, I hear you got a podcast on some kind of network. Tell us about that. Well, um, I'm the main idiot behind uh, Anonymous Tabletop, a podcast that really doesn't know what it is. It's just pretty much five or six drunken idiots sitting around a microphone talking about random geeky bullshit. And that's what we do. That sounds like fun, Mister Mister Turok. Are you are are you, are you gonna are you gonna tell us stuff about the Freebooters Network? Uh, sure. The Freebooters Network is a collection of podcasts that deal with some aspect of nature. Uh, we have some episode or some shows that are about Warhammer 40k. We have some episodes that are about um, oh, I, I don't remember what what system is called anymore uh, because the the, the publishers went out of business and got sold to someone else. Um, anyway, well, we have all sorts of different systems, um, all sorts of different game styles, game types. And then we've got Anonymous Tabletop, which is just kind of... Ah! Um, but it's an excellent uh, show. It's one of my favorites, and I always look forward to listening to their episodes when they come out. Um, so that's Geek Nation... Uh, sorry, that's the Freebooters Network. Um, we, we do have a bit of a plug to put in. Um, Apparently, um, there's a company called Paizo who uh, created Pathfinder and have started uh, created another game, Starfinder. Uh, and Paizo has launched a worldwide playtest of their new character class for Starfinder role-playing game. Uh, players are invited to go to StarfinderPlaytest.com and download the free PDF, roll up some characters, and then run them to the pace. The playtest focuses on three new classes of the upcoming Starfinder character operators manual, uh, operations manual, sorry. The, a source book that's scheduled for release late of 2019. So uh, go on, head on over to Paizo's uh, StarfinderPlaytest.com. Sorry for that plug. Let's move on. What? Right after I said nobody's ever made money, always making a loss with geek fights, you're going to put a plug on here where somebody could actually make money? Jesus. I, I would like to point out, you know, one of the other reasons why uh, the show is a lot less work is not just because uh, we only do it once a month. It's because uh, Dave and I don't actually do the work anymore. This is all done by, by Dev and the Freebooters, and, and that's, that's the whole reason that we're actually able to be here. Well, yeah, there's that too. And I guess we should get back to fighting because, you know, you've already spent two hours listening to us. Uh, it's probably going to go a bit faster now because we talked uh, a lot about some of these. Uh, Mike. This first fight is yours. It is in the pale moonlight versus in uh, what it it ick dick ick dick improbable cause and the dice cast. Uh, actually, Damon, I saved all of my good arguments for this round, so let me begin. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, I I am going to break it down early. Uh, I am voting for uh ick dick um over the pale moonlight. Uh, for two reasons, uh, when Pale Moonlight was on our previous episode, one of the reasons that I kind of rallied against it was because ultimately, uh, you know, I, I don't like the idea of saying that the best 
thing that uh, that Star Trek has produced is is basically an episode that is built entirely around moral compromise. Uh, if Star Trek is supposed to be this optimistic vision of the future, I think if we're looking at something that's the best, even Deep Space Nine, which is a darker show, um, I kind of don't. I, I kind of like to to focus a little bit more on on the the positive aspects of that future, uh, even though I put a lot of, of negative aspects of that future on here. So, uh, in an effort to speed this up, I will actually just sort of jump to that conclusion. Vote against Pale Moonlight here and uh, and Ichnik or Improbable Cause, um, Damon. One of the things that you nailed earlier was this was the the first big uh, Deep Space Nine space battle, and I'm I'm going to get real for a second and just say when it comes down to it, out of all the wonderful things that I love about Star Trek, more so than the morals, more so than the lessons, more so than the allegories, I love big space battles. And this one had the first one in Deep Space Nine. Um and uh, and I love it for that. And because I because you know, ultimately the 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 decision Cisco makes is 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 a vast moral compromise that that just sort of is uh ultimately kind of in, in the context of the story leads to the vast moral compromise of how Deep Space Nine resolves itself by basically attempting genocide. You know, that never sat well with me. So um, let's stick with something a little bit more optimistic. Like uh, actually big space battles where they attempted genocide. Wait a minute. Uh-oh, I'm not good. At, le- <laughs> at least the bad guys were attempting genocide in the other. <laughs> not just the good guys. Uh, Dave. Well, this one's going to be definitely uh, a tough one, but uh, I am going to go opposite of Mike on this one. And in the pale moonlight, uh, it's still one of those episodes for me. I do agree with him on the space battles. I love me a space battle. But in the pale moonlight, for me, I just think as Avery Brooks, just just that he acted the crap out of that. I mean, it's, and higher praise cannot be heard from me as if you've acted the crap out of something. But... It, just, just you could. I, I just. It's one of those episodes that I and I and I. Yes, you don't want to condone genocide. You don't want to say the moral gray is is going to win. But today, all the you a lot of your things are uh, antiheroes, and he was maybe one of the first. But uh, I say in the pale moonlight. A vote for some pale moonlight, uh, Mike. It is the first giant space battle because even in emissary, where you see a little bit of. Uh, Wolf three five nine, like it's from a different perspective. Oh yeah, this has like hundreds of ships fighting against one another, and the Defiant just scraping its way the fuck out of there. That's all the Defiant is there to do: grab Odo, grab Garrick, get the fuck out of there. That's it. And there's Jim Hadar ships all over the place, the Cardassian ships all over the place. You've got Romulan warbirds all over the place, and they're all being fucking decimated. I love those episodes. And like I said before, it's goddamn, it's about that 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 Odo's secret of him wanting to go home. That that's what he was holding back. Oh, I love that. So I'm gonna go with Ick Dick. <laughs> Dev? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. Improbable die or sorry, improbable cause die is cast. Um that's probably my favorite. Another vote for Ick Dick. Uh, Yussi? Well, uh, I love Ick Dick, no question. But I just feel that the, um, you know, it, it's really focused on Garrick. And we get a great uh, Garrick turn in in The Pale Moonlight. And maybe that's the, uh, 
you know, the, the accepted and the standard and the boring answer, but I think In the Pale Moonlight deserves to go on. You would think that, but as we are always, we are wrong, but Ick Dick is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dave, this one is yours. It is House of Cork versus Change of Heart. Well, this one's a little easier for me. Um, Quark, uh, House of Quark is definitely going to win this one for me. I'm just going to come out and say it, keep it a little shorter, sweeter. Uh, his whole relationship with Grelka, his story on that, while I like the change of heart stuff, uh, I got to say House of Quark, definitely an episode that I would pick in this one. See, I'm going with this rule right now. See, you all like rewatched it like within the last month. I rewatched it two months ago before we were even doing the episode. And uh, yeah, if I can't remember your episode from your episode title at this point, I'm not voting for you. Sorry, change of heart. I will always remember House of Cork. Like House of Cork. It's like, oh yeah, House of Cork. I know what happens in that episode. Just the title, I know what happens. So uh, yeah, House of Cork gets a vote for me. Dev? Yeah, House of Cork for me too. Um, we talked about it in the previous round, but I uh, just love this whole look into Klingon culture and anything to do with Klingons all happen. So, House of Cork. Yes, Marrying off two main characters is very hard. And it works because of change of heart, because we have this episode which really gets to the core of we, we've known. Dax for six seasons. We've known Worf for 10 seasons. And we, we understand this is not their first rodeo. They know what it means to sacrifice. And Cisco comes in. I mean, that's been his arc from the beginning. You know, what it meant to lose his wife. And he understands exactly what, uh, why Worf made the decision that he makes. So change of heart. Mike, are you going to ha- make one of us have a change of heart? <laughs> um, I love Klingons. I love Ferengi. Hey, you got your Klingon on my Ferengi. Hey, you got my Ferengi on my Klingon. Uh, House of Quark is too great taste to taste great together. Like semen and potatoes, House of Quark is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Nobody's going to call me on semen and potatoes. Nobody's going to go... Why the fuck did you say semen and potatoes? Okay. I think we're all just a bit fucked. <laughs> yeah, we just want to move on. Uh, on to our next fight, then. It is Treachery, Faith, and the Great River versus Homefront, Paradise Lost. I uh, can't remember it again. I'm going Homefront, Paradise Lost. Woo, woo. Deborah. Yeah, for me, it's also Homefront, home Paradise Lost. Yussie? Um, I I really love the uh, idea of the multiple wayunes and the you know once again it's one of the themes of DS9 the idea of identity and reinventing yourself. So I'm going to go treachery, faith, and the Mike. I'll vote uh, treachery, faith, and the Great River uh, to tie it up. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Dave. Whose heart are you going to break? 
Mike, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be the one to tie it up. Why did you have to do that? Thank you. Um, for me, okay, sadly, I'm going to be the guy who's going to knock out Homefront Paradise Lost because I liked Treachery Faith in the Great River. For me, I liked the, I enjoyed the episode more. It wasn't as dystopian. It didn't remind me of the time I'm living in right now. So maybe I'm a product of my environment where I don't really want to see martial law and everybody root me, uh, just, just fear-mongering and stuff. So I say treachery, faith, and the Great River goes on. TFGR is moving on. We are on to our next fight. Devrum, this one is yours. It is Who Mourns for Morn versus the Magnificent Ferengi. Oh, this is a tough battle. Uh, I loved Who Mourns for Morn. Um, just the whole um, puzzle aspect, uh, Quark trying to figure out what's going on, all these different people popping up, all these kind of factions, and it all turns out to be like a, a heist, or at the end of a heist. Um, that being said, Mag Magnificent Ferengi was also a really fun episode with with all these like different types of Ferengi who kind of got together and you know tried to be a uh, a group but kind of failed at it somehow still managed to come out on top. Um, yeah, tough battle. I think I'm gonna go who mourns who mourns for mourn because I think I think I enjoyed that episode. A vote for who mourns for mourn, Yussi. I really want to see Jeffrey Combs as Ferengi versus Jeffrey Combs uh, as Vorta. So that means uh, Magnificent Ferengi. Mike? Uh, this is interesting because, you know, one of them is 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 kind of a, a heist movie mold, um, you know, kind of a, a, a caper, and the other one is basically a Western. So this is Deep Space Nine as it has many times sort of tackling other genres. Um, and I'm voting for Magnificent Ferengi, even though I love Morn, and both of these are great Quark episodes. Uh, I, I, the, the Ferengi are more than Quark, and this episode really encompasses all of them. Um, you know, we get to see Quark uh, as the businessman. We get to see Nog as a soldier. We get to see that a fantastic Ferengi that didn't want Latinum. He just liked killing people, and he just thought, ooh, I could kill some Jem'Hadar. That would be fun. We get to see a side of that that you don't normally see. Uh, Moogie's in there uh, giving uh, financial advice to to Ferengis and, and, and on topical creams. I mean, every every note in it is is perfect. Um, and it shows that wide range of Ferengi, and that's that's really what I love about it. This is sort of the ultimate Ferengi episode. And, you know, we talk a lot about Cisco's arc in Deep Space Nine, and it is this sort of arc of him starting off as a nobody and turning into a messiah. But in a strange way, uh, the the Ferengi have a fantastic arc too. They start off as this terrible, terrible big bad from the next generation that went nowhere and just became a joke and and transformed into this absolutely amazing thoroughly rich, uh, interesting race that even in the context of the show, they evolve. And by the end, you've got Rom as the Grand Nagus. And it's this, this sort of the way that the Federation sort of infests uh, all those around it. And then it, I mean, it made Quark brave here and in House of Quark. So this is, I think, the best Ferengi episode of all of them. And I love the Ferengi. Uh, so that's magnificent Ferengi. Dave? Well, just because I want to put you on the spot, Damon, I'm going to say who mourns for mourn. You know I'm never on the spot. It's all tied up, and it comes down to me. 
You mean I get to choose between good two good episodes that are fun to watch but aren't going to win this at the end? So it doesn't really matter. Uh, which one could take out? Uh, but the, you know, the magnificent Mike. Mike would want me to vote for the magnificent Ferengi. He really does. But I put who mourns for Martin on the list. Um, I think I'm gonna go with. I don't know. I do like because you know Mike brought it up. It's the thing that Deep Space Nine did for every single alien race that Star Trek has, with the exception of the Romulans, and well, the Romulans slash Vulcans. We learn more about the Ferengis. They become more than just money hungry people. We learn more about the Cardassians. They're not. They're more than just being fascist. We learn more about the. The uh, Klingons, they're more than just warriors. Like, at first I thought one of these episodes on here was the one where the Klingon lawyer was uh, trying to get Worf uh, all caught up in some bullshit. Like, Deep Space Nine does a fantastic job of expanding alien races into being more than one note, being believable species that could survive out there. Um, And, uh, yeah. Magnificent Ferengi, why not? We are on to our next fight. I've done a lot of talking. Yussi, hey, this is... <laughs> uh, it is the Visitor versus Far Beyond the Stars. You get to start that one. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, not an easy one. Here's an unpopular opinion. I actually love Explorers. Uh, that's where... Um, uh, Jake and uh, Ben Cisco are uh, solar sailing uh, to, to to prove that the Bajorans had ancient, um, uh, you know, the ability to travel between stars. I actually think that that is in some ways better than uh, the Visitor, and that's why I'm voting for Far Beyond the Stars. Mike. Sorry, my keyboard shut off. Um, first, uh, I also love Explorers. I thought that was a great episode as well, and a great timing for it too. It, it, it was one of those small episodes that followed a lot of a lot of powerful stuff that happened uh, just prior to it. And I'm also going to vote for Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, the Visitor is a juggernaut. It usually wins these sort of things. It is an incredibly powerful episode. I don't deny that at all. Um, it's an emotional episode. But uh, for me, it's a bit too atypical to to be a best of. Um, you know, the story is told in kind of a strange way with 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 Jake. Uh, also, you know, when the lead is not even a member of the cast, I think that's kind of kind of an odd thing to say. It's the best of something features very little of the people who are on the show. Um, it's told in that atypical way, uh, where he's sort of you know revealing everything on this this kind of a, a contrived beat. Where this uh, this fan of his happens to show up on the day he's going to die when all this happens, the 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 rubber band effect is kind of some sloppy sci-fi. It really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Far Beyond the Stars, it's one of those vision episodes, and those you get to bl- play with the rules because uh, it actually starts becoming this more of a spiritual thing. And you know, great science fiction is supposed to address kind of kind of uh, the 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 issues of the day and this is one of the few ways where deep space nine could really do that um a show set in the future that's looking at our past 
uh, and it's really clever and it's really interesting. And the story that it tells is is great. And again, it's a tour de force performance, uh, not just by Avery Brooks. Every even even Terry Farrell's kind of bombshell performance is absolutely fantastic. So I love when we get to see them do other things. And and somehow Ducat is just as vile as a human. How did he pull that off? Um, it's amazing. So uh, yeah, I love Far Beyond the Stars. Dave. Well, Mike, you've you've uh, you made me think of uh, this a different way. I, I I definitely like the visitor. The visitor has I think personal ties for me, but the the far beyond the stars for me is clearly better than the one of the episodes that affects me the most. And it just I think as you're right, you're in the future, looking into the past, and and taking into account the things that were happening during that time frame and that so you can you can look into that it, it just it's it is very powerful and yes you are right to got made a sleazy cop um combs made he was a perfect sleazy sidekick everyone's characters were great uh anyone they played and of course i loved just hearing martok I mean, you, I'd never seen Martok without makeup before, and there is Martok without makeup, and I think Far Beyond the Stars wins. A vote for Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, you just got sharked. Uh, Mike has a habit of doing that. He makes very good, eloquent arguments, and he lulls you to sleep with his dulcet tones, and then you vote right along with him. And I almost fell into that. I was about to do it. I really was. But then I remembered, the, oh, no. Far Beyond the Stars is better. Fuck you, Mike. You son of a bitch, sharking motherfuckers. Devram, is it a clean sweep? No, I'm going to give visitors the love it deserves. I, like I said, I actually did not like Far Beyond the Stars. not one of those I'll ever go back and rewatch. So, visitor for me. Far Beyond the Stars is moving on. We're on to our next super easy fight, Mike. It is the Emissary versus Duet. Uh, this actually is easy for me. Um, Duet is a fantastic episode. And again, it's one of those great performance episodes. But Emissary just has a lot going on. And the thing that I love most about it, and this is why I loved Deep Space Nine from the start, um, on Next Generation, on the original series, uh, we basically got to see the, these people who were the best of the best. They were, you know, the especially on Next Generation, it's a flagship. Um, you know, we got to see people who, by and large, were were better than us. They were they were the cream of the crop of the cream of the crop. Um, but when Deep Space Nine comes around, it's it's a different story. The space station's kind of a piece of shit, and it's falling apart. Uh, Bashir loves it because he's fresh out of school and kind of ignorant and he just wants to tackle the world. Cisco's about to wash out a Starfleet. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to bring the, the Bajorans into the Federation, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of a long kind of bad process. And this was not a choice job. And then the wormhole opens up and everything changes and deep space nine becomes the most important part of the alpha quadrant. Uh, Cisco goes from being a commander to being a captain. So this is the first time we get to see this sort of arc. We get to see him start as a regular person that sort of intersects with something amazing. And then he becomes amazing, literally becomes a messiah. Uh, so all of that is 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 laid out in the, these two hours. Uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. 
Um, I love the way that they deal with the the wormhole aliens being outside of time. There's so much richness there and so much discussion that we could have about that and uh, and how that sets up so many things later. Uh, this really is sort of like the perfect setup for everything that Deep Space Nine becomes. So uh, it's got to be Emissary. Dave, why do I have to keep following up Mike? <laughs> because it, he's, everything he said was exactly what I was thinking. Uh, the only thing that he missed was the fact that Emissary didn't have, he didn't say anything about the bonus Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I'm from Chicago, so... I got to give a little bit of Cubs fan love out there. But uh, Emissary out of this one, even though uh, Duet uh, supplanted my hard time, uh, I don't think Duet has a chance against Emissary. Emissary laid the groundwork for the show, uh, introduced all the characters, and you even in the span of two hours or an hour and a half, you saw the the character of, of Cisco actually become that commander and then soon to be captain that he's going to be of the deep space nine the most important uh, space station in the game or the alpha quadrant so uh emissaries for me oh emissary yeah it it, uh, it it really is hard following mike that's why i try not to be awesome at all in any of these episodes i just try and be funny because mike sometimes is way too good at this shit Son of a bitch. Fucking hate him. Uh, but he's right. It's not even it's not even that he's right. We're right. We we chose emissary to move on past Tears of the Prophet, and we're gonna ch choose emissary to move on beyond this. But you know, it, but it is duet. But duet is about two people, one of them is not the main cast. Uh so yeah, I'll go with emissary. Uh Devram. I wanna give duet love that it deserves but coming up against emissary it's a battle uh emissary is I'll... you cut out at the last second so i could not hear you oh sorry i'm voting for emissary a vote for emissary yussie is it a clean sweep being the first clean sweep of the episode i still believe in punching nazis duet and the answer is no. The vote was for Duet. Emissary is moving on into the next round. We're on to our next fight. Dave, this one is yours. This is legitimately an easy one. It is One Little Ship versus Way of the Warrior. I don't know why you say it's such an easy thing. Because what? Awesome space battles versus a tiny, tiny, tiny ship? Uh, comedy versus the... The introduction of Worf, Worf to DS9. Um, I don't know why you say it's so easy, um, but Way of the Warrior. A vote for Way of the Warrior. The reason why I say it's so easy is this is the very first time you actually get to see Deep Space Nine whoop the shit out of a fucking Klingon fleet. In Emissary, the episode we just moved on before, Kira threatens it and fires all eight of the proton or photon torpedoes they had, and that was it. And then she bluffed her way moving on. In Way of the Warrior, the station is fully functional. Fully functional. It is the first time we've seen a space station in Star Trek whip the shit out of anything. It was amazing. And Worf joins the show. I don't need Worf in the episode, mind you. 
everything that Deep Space Nine happens on the show is absolutely fine, and you don't need to add Worf, and it's still a great, great, great episode. Worf puts it over the top, but yeah, I gotta go way of the warrior, and I'm gonna leave Mike to tell the story of how we watched it. Uh, Day, wait, Devrim. Uh, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to play a little 20 second clip, which will encompass which one of the unboating. Asian Tafe Deja E. Asian Sotas Ghost Vascar by Teak. And Pajaj La Mojaj Push. Jaj Kales Molo Mihok Chu. Gosh! The recording picked it up at the very least, because uh, it's also recording my mic. Um, hopefully. Uh, that was the uh, the Klingon drinking song from um, Way of the Warrior. Uh, excellent episode. That's my vote. A vote for Way of the Warrior. Yussi! Clean Pleep is a Harry Potter broom. I, I, I don't know what that means. Are you voting for the little ship? I, I cannot in good conscience do that. Uh, even though it is a fun episode where the warrior deserves to go on, of course. Mr. Ortiz, is this the first clean sweep? Are you going to tell us how we watched this episode? Or are you going to wait until the next round? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say it now. Um, as we have said uh, on a couple of times, Damon and I both watched this episode as it aired uh, at the Comics Cafe, which was a comic book store where we both worked. Normally, and Damon, I don't think you were actually a big Star Trek fan at that time. Um, but normally, I would just record the episodes uh, and then watch them when I get home. So it must have been on a Saturday. But this time, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday, but I didn't work Sundays. It was a Sunday. That's odd. So I must have been. Co- was I covering for Elijah? Because that's because he worked every Sunday. Regardless, um, we were watching the episode, and. Uh, Normally, I, w- I would have just recorded it and watched when I got home. And I remember, and I, I didn't, I never mentioned this in the story before, is I was, I, I was a little reluctant to do it because I really didn't like watching things at work because you have to work and you have to kind of, you know, actually pay attention. I, and I was running the register. Um, then we had a TV in the corner, and then there was this large area of back issues on top, and then just boxes of, of long boxes with lids on them stacked up underneath. The TV was at the very end of this uh, kind of dual row. So the, the episode starts and it's going. Unfortunately, it's not that busy and I'm watching it and uh, and Damon's up there. And there are people going through the back issue boxes and slowly over the course of the episode, people who are in the store just start paying attention and just start watching along. And then a couple of guys pull out some of the long boxes or pull out like a long box and sit down on it, which prompts some other people to put them out. And they were in two rows going down the center, like pews in a church. And everybody was sitting there in front of this TV, watching it. And the whole shop just sort of got in, especially when we got to that last big space battle. And, you know, all of my concerns about not being able to watch it were, were gone because everybody in the store was just completely engrossed in this show, whether you were a Star Trek fan or not, because it was just so well done. And, that was an amazing experience for me. One that that's one of those things that, that I will never forget, and I will always associate this with this episode. And it was this amazing kind of community experience in a comic book store that ultimately is responsible for this show being here because that's where Damon and I met. Most of the people who are on the early episodes of the show were people that we met 
uh, through that comic book store. And so because that is like one of those key experiences in all of, of you know, Geek Fight's backstory, uh, you know, I can't not vote for it. I'm going to cry. He does that. Way of the Warrior, first clean sweep, is moving on. We are on to our next fight. Did I write down the wrong fight? No, I wrote down the right fight. Uh, I think, because I didn't... Anyway, it is past tense versus statistical probabilities. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to vote for past tense because fuck you, Mike, for always getting your goddamn unknowns past the first fucking round. Hate you. Hate you so much. Devram? Yeah, for me, it's going to have to be past tense as well. Yossi! I know... What can I say that Mike hasn't already said about, uh, you know, the difference between the eugenics wars, sort of, uh, you know, 30 years in the future, totally missing it. And here we have DS9 looking 30 years into the future to 2024 and totally getting it where we would be and, you know, what issues we would be struggling with. It's got to be past tense. Mike? Uh, past tense first aired January 2nd, 1995, and it was talking about 2024. Uh, and here we are in 2018, and it is all so terrifyingly real. Uh, plus, one of the most fun parts of this is it gets called back in something that also could have been on this list. Um, little green men, when they're visiting Earth, uh, Nog is looking at some ancient human history and goes, huh, did you ever notice how much this uh, this um, Bell c- character from uh, the past looks like Captain Sisko? Because Captain Sisko winds up taking his place in the timeline. And actually, this is some time travel that doesn't get too wonky. It actually holds up a little bit for me. Uh, so, past tense. Dave? Hey, Mike, funny that you would mention Little Green Men because that was on my short list to go in here because I did thoroughly enjoy that episode. And I do recall the whole Gabriel Bell. Doesn't Cisco look like Gabriel Bell? Um, and of these two, um, I am, I'm, I'm torn, I guess. Uh, but I want to make it a clean sweep. I'll make it past tense. The only two fights that made uh, two things that made it into this round with a clean sweep are going up against them in the next round. Four, well, spot in the final four. Past tense is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Dev, this one is yours. Uh, it's Ick Dick versus H of Q. Oh, House of Cork. For this, it's definitely House of Cork for me. I, I love that episode so much. A vote for House of Quark. Yassi? Yeah, the, this needs to be Ferengi versus Ferengi. So, uh, House of Quark. Mike? Wow. The, I I I don't want to put Ick Dick out, but I do love me some House of Quark. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just that. I, even though kind of on a personal level, I, I, I probably do love House of Quark more, especially when Gowron looks down and says, a brave Ferengi, I never thought I'd see it. So I was looking forward to everyone voting against it so I could praise it this round. But I don't want to do it because, God, the, the Ick Dick, I mean, 
that that was just so good. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna vote against my heart. I'm voting. A vote for Ick Dick, Dave. We'll make it a little interesting. Um, I I too wanted to see the the Ferengi versus Ferengi, but I, I can't dismiss Ick Dick because Ick Dick is too good. <laughs> it, I, I, the episode itself was uh, I think it was. It was, it was, be- I think it's better. I think it's better than House of Quark. I like House of Quark as its own self, but against Ictic, I think Ictic takes it. That's right. You take it, Ictic. Ictic gets another vote. Um, this is super easy for me. House of Quark, if you take House of Quark out of Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine nor Quark suffer for it. It doesn't make any difference. There is no real impact. You take out Ickdick, you take out Improbable Cause, and the die is cast, Deep Space Nine is not better for it. it do, it's actually significantly worse. Like, it, it, there is so much stuff that lays the groundwork for and get, that gets paid off in season six. Uh, and it's one of those things, it, bug, it bugs the shit out of me because people still to this day say, oh, Worf, season four. Way of the Warrior. That's when you're supposed to watch, start watching Deep Space Nine. That's when it gets good. And it's like, no. No, you fuckers. Deep Space Nine was always good. You just didn't start watching until Worf joined. But you get things like this. This is a season three fucking two-parter. Season three. Season two has great episodes. Season one has great episodes. And their bad episodes aren't actually that bad. They're just bad for Deep Space Nine, not bad for Star Trek. They are all better than Code of Honor. Oh, they're better than they're better than Subrosa. They're better than half of uh, Voyager. They're better than most of Enterprise. Okay, I'm voting for Ick Dick because it deserves to move forward because it is a great Deep Space Nine episode, not a great Quark episode, a great Deep Space Nine. This breaks my heart. Yeah, fuck you and your. Sub Rosa is awesome. We'll fight you over that. Well, that's because you like that ghost dick. That's another show. Ick dick is moving on. We are on to our next fight. Yeah, see, this one is yours. It is Treachery, Faith, and the Great River versus the Magnificent Ferengi for a spot in the final four. Either way it goes, it's a Ferengi episode. Uh, that makes it tough for me <laughs> because uh, I really do love the Magnificent Ferengi, but I, you know, I, I accept the argument that when you go with uh, Treachery, uh, Faith, and the Great River, you actually get both. And so I could be swayed, but right now I'm, go- I'm going with uh, Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Mike? Um, this is really tough. Uh, God. In, in, in their own way, they're kind of uh, indicative of different aspects of Deep Space Nine. Treachery Faith is, you know, definitely about faith and spirituality. And that, that's one area where, start, where Deep Space Nine exclusively sort of addresses those things. Uh, uh, other Star Treks don't. But the Ferengi arc, like I said, is just so, um, so amazing. And I love the Magnificent Ferengi. And it's got brunt. But you know what? I'm going to go with treachery of faith because ultimately that idea of faith and the idea of, of that law, especially when, like when I rewatched it and that's the first time I really kind of thought about the Vorda's 
losing faith in their gods uh, and how that changes things. And, and ultimately, you know, how that reflects the Bajoran's faith in uh, in their gods. And I think you know, Carrie even addresses that, that they may be called wormhole aliens, but they're still her gods. Um, Deep Space Nine is the only Star Trek to really embrace ideas of faith. And uh, and this is an episode that I never really, that, that does it in a way that even Deep Space Nine doesn't. So even though it's a weird, small episode that I'm surprised is even on here, uh, uh, I, I think I'm going to vote for it. Dave? You're not doing it to me again, Mike. It's not happening. <laughs> Magnificent Ferengi goes on. I, I can't put down Magnificent Ferengi yet. So somebody else puts him down because keep on keep on flying, Magnificent Ferengi. You can do it. Oh, I can put it down real easy. It beat Who Mourns for Morn? It beat Impurgatory's uh, Shadow by Inferno's Light. Both of those are my picks. Fuck you. Hey, Spite. Welcome back to Geek Fights. <laughs> treachery faith in the great river gets a that's the treachery part of treachery faith. <laughs> um the river provides the river provides hey uh devrim uh for me it's the magnificent ferengi for sure a vote for the magnificent ferengi but treachery faith and the great river into the final four mike this fight is yours this one is super easy. I'm glad you get to start because you're going to sway everybody to your fucking side, you son of a bitch. Also, I haven't actually picked a side yet. Uh, Far Beyond the Stars versus Emissary. This is this is really tough, but you know, I think I have been talking myself more into Emissary uh, as, as we've been, been going here. Uh, they're both great episodes. Um, one of the things that I love about Emissary is is the fact that it, it sets up so much. And you mentioned something earlier, Damon. We talk about the station um, being fully powered uh, by the time of Way of the Warrior. Um, the exact description of the station that they use that was real in Way of the Warrior was the bluff. I mean, it was the same armament. So... Like that's, that's the stuff that was set up there, even though it was unintentional. Um, it, it's a blueprint for so much of what the series becomes. And, and, and it, it's funny for me to hear all this love for it when for so long people, you know, seemed to at least hated Deep Space Nine from the start. But I always thought that this was a great episode. There's a lot of stumbling in season one, but there's a lot of stumbling everywhere in Star Trek, especially at the beginning. But I thought this episode was just fantastic especially that that exchange between picard and cisco at the beginning um and how all of that plays through i mean the the, the weird time stuff you know is just so beautifully happy uh, taken care of in terms of his is it like was mentioned earlier his inability to let go of those moments that he was introducing the notion of time to these things that did not understand time and and how that changed them as well as him uh, it's really just such a big idea in Star Trek that, that no one ever would have thought Star Trek would do stuff like that. Um, and and now it's just so, it makes me so happy so many years later to see people actually finally appreciating it. So, uh, Emissary. Yeah. Follow that, Dave. Well, it'll be easy because actually I'm going to give you a little credit, Damon. The reason I'm going in the direction I'm going is because you had mentioned something earlier about Ictic. And about it being something that contributed to DS9 as a whole. And in that way, Emissary contributes everything to DS9 as a whole. It lays the groundwork for the beginning as well as the very, very end. Far Beyond the Stars, excellent on its own. But 
does it really do much beyond being that one-off episode? It's a beautiful, poignant, one-off episode, but it does not really, if you took it out, the, the show would go on. In this case, the emissary is the show. So emissary for me. A vote for emissary. Um, yeah, but if uh, Stephen I Robert had his way and the original ending of Deep Space Nine, it would have had a huge impact. That being, uh, what what's the character's name in Far Beyond the Stars? Benny. Benny something. Benny something wakes up, and he and he had written all of Deep Space Nine, and it's still the 1950s. <laughs> like that was an ending that they wouldn't let him do. It was all in his head. It was all in his head. They would not let him do that because it would be like a lost ending and everybody would be very pissed off by that. At least the ending that Deep Space Nine has now. Cisco could come back now or maybe he was back yesterday. God, I love that ending. I know people hate it, but I still love it. Um, But I'm, I'm voting for Emissary, even though I just said all that lovely stuff about Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, Devrim? Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not a fan of Far Beyond the Stars at all. Emissary, decent episode. I don't know if it's really deserving to be final battle, but uh, like you said, it did start off the whole thing, uh, and they do lay all the groundwork there. So let's uh, vote for Emissary. Yussi, is it a clean sweep? No, we have uh, shadows and symbols. Uh, in which we see uh, Casey Biggs, Tamar, as Dr. Wyckoff, uh, returning us to the reality of Far Beyond the Stars, of Benny Russell, of this crazy balls-to-the-wall idea of maybe it's all just a fantasy, maybe it's all just uh, in his uh, mind. So I'm going to stick with Far Beyond the Stars. Star, uh, uh, vote for Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, yeah, he opens the box. Yeah, that was the the orb of the emissary. But man, I love me some Deep Space Nine. God damn it! Uh, emissary is moving on. Dave, this fight is yours. And I don't know. I could go either way. It is Way the Warrior versus Past Tense. I'm making it easy for my first one. Is Way of the Warrior was the first DS9 episode that I really. Uh, really got involved with it. Um, it was the, since it started, what, the fifth episode? Oh, no, I'm sorry, the fourth season. It's season one. And D- it was a really the first DS9 episodes that I was able to see once I got back uh, from from basic. So it's it, it was really my introduction to DS9. And I think it the because it had that bridge of, of having the next gen as well, you already had O'Brien on the ship. But when you you brought Worf in, I felt a little more at home um, while I might have missed a lot of stuff. I I think Way of the Warrior beats Past Tense because I just like the action and everything involved in it. And while it's socially poignant for Past Tense, Way of the Warrior's got to go on. Oh, vote for Way of the Warrior. Actually, and I I, I always bash it because people say, started started, uh, season four, season four, Worf joins. But part of the reason why Worf joining is so essential to people starting there is people know Worf, but they don't know these characters and Worf doesn't know these characters. 
And through Worf, we learn who these people are. So it's a very, very easy entry point for people into Deep Space Nine. It's not the right one. Goddamn emissary is the right one. But it's a very, very easy entry point. Uh, so, yeah. I'll go with Way of the Warrior. I could be swayed. I could be swayed. I could be swayed. Devra? Yeah, for me, it's definitely Way of the Warrior. I, I really enjoyed Past Ten, but Way of the Warrior is a better part than Past Ten. Yussi? Uh, I was off at school for season four and five. And so I, I didn't see Way of the Warrior when it was originally broadcast. But past tense, for me, it's just, it's so prescient. <laughs> it's one of those uh, episodes which makes you say, how did they do this? How did they figure this out 25 years ago, 24 years ago, that this would be what we would be uh, confronting as we entered the 2020s? And that's just something which is, you know, uh, not comparable to to any other Star Trek series. Uh, I just feel like they they got it. They they felt there was something happening in the dying days of the 20th century that this is what w w would be happening over the next hundred years. And so I, I have to give it to uh, past tense. I'll vote for past tense. Mike? Um, everything we've been praising about past tense uh, is true, but uh, I still have to vote for Way of the Warrior. And Way of the Warrior is in the final four. We've got, <clears throat> excuse me, Improbable Cause and the Dice Cast versus the uh, Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. And we've got Emissary versus way of the warrior uh uh mike why don't you start that fight off itic itic not itic ick dick versus tickver tickver mike are you dead mike am i dead did I just die? No, you're still alive. Oh, so good. It's just Mike. That's fine then. Uh, you're, you're talking to the prophet. I, I, well, if Mike won't start it because something happened to Mike. Uh, I'm back. Oh, you just didn't expect me to go to you, did you? No, I didn't. I had to pee really bad. Oh, you son of a bitch. It's Ick Dick versus Tufgur. Tufgur. This is a strange battle. I would not have foreseen this uh, being uh, where it is. And they are two very, very different ones. Um, it's a tough choice because Ictic is everything we've said about it. And it really is kind of a spot where Deep Space Nine opens up. Uh, Treachery Faith is very small, very intimate. Um, and, and ultimately, I, like, I, I, I put it on here because I love it. Um, it's a weird underdog that um and in a lot of ways deep space nine was the weird underdog so uh a weird small ferengi buddhist episode uh and uh and a vorta episode with great jeffrey combs i love jeffrey combs so much um shouldn't probably beat a big epic 
important episode that really kind of turns the franchise. But uh, for me, it's going to. So yeah, Treachery Faith. Treachery and Faith. Uh, Dave? This will be interesting. It's like you have such power in your hand. Mike has already swayed it towards treachery. He wants his little underdog to win. Um, but I, as much as I like treachery, I don't know if I can do it. But even though he sweet-talked it, he made it seem so appeasing that I should go for treachery. But I will not be sharked again, my friend. I will not be sharked again. I am picking Ictic because I think as a whole, it was the show that that really cemented two very, very memorable characters for me. Treachery went great with Nag. Nag and O'Brien, hey, two of my favorites. You can't get around them. But Garrick and Odo going through what they went to together, I think that's got to take it for me. Uh, vote for some dick. Um, yeah, it, it's got to be Improbable Cause on the Dias cast. I mean, I love the fuck. I, I mean, when they say the Defiant was, is a prototype ship, NX74205, yeah, that's off the top of my fucking dome. That's how much I love that goddamn ship. The second ship is called the Sao Paulo, and it's NCC74205. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Uh, yeah, that's where you first get to see what the Defiant is made of. The uh, extra armor. The, the I don't I don't think it had the cloaking device yet. Maybe it had the cloaking device. It didn't matter. It was a ship that could uh, was small, but it could actually hold its own against other shit, a lot of other shit, and get the job done. And that's where you first start to see how great that ship is. My favorite Star Trek ship. I'm so mad I don't own a Defiant right now. Oh yeah, no, I don't own a Defiant. I own Deep Space Nine. I don't own a Defiant. Uh, so I'm going to go for uh, Improbable Cause, the die is cast. Uh, Devram? Uh, for me, it's also Improbable Cause. Short and sweet. Yussi? Uh, you convinced me. <laughs> it's a kick. That icky dick is into the final fight. Dave, this next one is yours. You get to try and shark us all. It is Emissary versus Way of the Warrior. All right. What was funny before was I said that Way of the Warrior was the one that got me into the show again properly just because I had missed the first three seasons because I was away. However, going back and watching Emissary, again, it's very fresh in my mind. I've watched both of, both of them within the last week. And Way of the Warrior, lots of action. Lot of, you get Worf, yes. Worf is not necessary, but he's there. Uh, the Cardassians and the Klingons are fighting, or they're potentially going to. And it, I like Way of the Warrior, and I, it should be the one, but I can't kick Grandpa in the nuts and and not vote for Grandpa. Grandpa, Grandpa, the guy who brought seven years following into being. Every, all his progeny moved forward and became the show that it was, was because Emissary aired. It came out strong. It started in the middle of a battle. Um, he goes into the wormhole. He talks to the prophets. He gets pissed off in Picard. I There was so much that Brooks brought to that, just 
just even trying to understand the wormhole aliens. I, I think there was more to Emissary. And, and Mike said it earlier with, after all these years, it's nice to see that they're finally getting some love and they're getting some love because I had never seen it before. And here I am 25 years later watching it today and saying that it's for me better than way of the warrior. A vote for Emissary. Yeah. O'Brien to Kira. Remind me never to play poker with you because she's bluffing the, the Cardassian fleet that's at their door. Uh, the the fact that nothing works on the station because the Cardassians basically destroyed the computer system when they left. Like everything. Gull do cot coming in strong, letting you know who the greatest Star Trek villain is. Oh, it's Khan. No. The greatest villain is Dukat because he believes he's right the whole time. He doesn't believe he's evil or wrong. He believes everybody else is evil and wrong. Uh, yeah, you get everybody. So, yeah, Emissary. Emissary, Emissary, Emissary. Devram? Um, I'm going to vote Way the Warrior, uh, mainly because since it's the beginning of episode or season four, it's a much more well-formed uh, and, and well-running machine. Uh, I found Emissary, while a good episode, um, some of the acting was kind of wooden and hokey. People were still kind of learning who they were and who these characters were, and they weren't really kind of set in their uh, in their style yet. And I, I so I found it comparing the two of them together simply for um, for like stylistic purposes. I'm going to vote for Way of the Warrior. Yussie. Um, I'm going to get biblical here. Um, you know, we've got Jacob, Joseph, and Benjamin, Cisco. Um, you know, go look at the book of Genesis and you'll understand where that's all coming from. There's just something about emissary. The, the idea that they can have that audacity and that vision at the beginning of a seven season 176 episode odyssey there's no other choice emissary mr ortiz uh for me it's way of the warrior um for a couple of reasons um i love emissary uh like i said i'm so happy to, to finally see it getting praised um and it does uh, set everything up, but Way of the Warrior is where it starts to pay off. Way of the Warrior is where we actually, where, where Deep Space Nine, the show, um, becomes like its its true self. Uh, it's the last piece falling into place, and it's not just Worf. I mean, you've seen all of these things build. Um, the Defiant is a key part. Cisco is a captain. Bald Cisco with a goatee. All of these things are in place. Um, with Way of the Warrior, um, and it, and uh, not not just kind of the the people and the elements, but the tone of the show changes there. Going back to Ictic, there's certainly space battle, but this is not just a space battle. This is a shift in tone from a Federation at peace to a Federation at war, and that war defines the rest of the show. Even though it's the Dominion War, and this is just sort of like the, almost a first volley of it. It's a familiar war with the Klingons, but that tone is where everything shifts. 
um, the idea that this is a show about a federation engaged in an in, in extended conflict begins in this episode. And I think that that's one of the things that really sort of makes Deep Space Nine, the spiritual aspect of it is great, but ultimately I think the spiritual aspect kind of falls a little flat because Star Trek doesn't do a good job with it because it, at its heart, you know, Gene Roddenberry built a strangely atheistic thing that when that attempts to uh, attach a science fiction aspect of spirituality, it gets a little sticky in spots. But certainly the, the conflict and the war and the, the, the darker aspects of the Federation, which, you know, I, I, I have a problem with in a lot of ways too, but that all of that stuff kind of is, is begun in this episode. And I think my favorite part of the episode, and I've mentioned this many times before, is the discussion between Garrick and Quark, where they're at the bar and things are about to just turn to shit. And Quark introduces root beer to Garrick and Garrick says, Oh, it's terrible. And, and Quark is like, well, yeah, but after a while you get used to it and you start to like it. And they kind of realize that's like the Federation. And you, and you see that this whole, the whole arc of Star Trek is this idea that the Federation just weasels its way into everybody. They, they made the allies out of the, the Klingons. They made the Ferengis more noble. They're kind of taming all of these other races because they're this weird sticky root beer. And that beautiful metaphor is just laid out in this episode. So it's, it's my favorite of all Deep Space Nine. So even though it's uh it's losing here, I still think it's the best. Would anybody like to change their vote? It's fine if you want to. That is a big no. God damn it, Mike! I want to change my vote. I voted for emissary. I could easily go to way of the warrior. Because whichever one wins this fight wins wins the fight. Because either episode is clearly better than Ictic. Um. Uh. See, I was waiting for you to chime in and try and change my mind more. Okay. Uh, well, just I mean, it also comes down to that. You know, who has the big space fight? <laughs> this had the best space fight. Yeah. It does have a great space battle with Klingons and actually a great fight uh, on the, the station itself when the Klingons be a moment. Yeah. It's got a little bit of everything. Yep. And, okay. and Klingons. Don't, don't and Klingons me, you son of a bitch. You might get the spite right back in your goddamn face. God damn it. But yeah, I'm switching my vote. Anybody's will. You can, anybody want to switch the other way? Wait, was that Dev? Do you want to switch? Yeah, definitely not. Oh, okay. Just checking, just in case. Way of the Warrior is into the final fight. We've got Improbable Cause and the Dice Cast versus Way of the Warrior. Um, Mike just spilled all of his guts about it, so we don't need to talk to him. We'll talk to you there, Yossi. Wow. Um... I am gonna go with Ictict. Uh, I just feel that DS9 is all about build up. It's all about exploring the characters and you know getting to their uh, denouement, and that is what happens with uh, Improbable Cause and the Dice Cast, and with the Way of the Warrior. That's something which which it has to develop later so uh i'm going to
A vote for Ick Dick. Ick Dick. We're skipping around now. Hey, Dave, tell us what you think. Well, since I was so hardcore about Emissary and then Way of the Warrior came in and sniped out that victory, um, it was pretty much going to be a toss-up between Emissary. I, I was surprised that the two of those did not run into each other into in the finals, but uh, as the brackets would lie, that didn't let them do that. But I thought that the, that would have been an actually really good final, uh, those two. So I, I, unfortunately, I feel like we're kind of going slightly backwards on it because I don't think Ick Dick has it. It's it's a good episode on its own. It is an episode that looks into Garrick's desire to go home, Odo's desire to go co- home, and their ability to kind of come together even though one tortured the other and they still understood each other. It's 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 pretty powerful, but yes, I I I believe Mike kind of said it best when he was talking about that, and he's saying that you were talking about a federation at peace, and this is the pendulum swinging to the other end and going. Now it's a federation at war. You're go, you're threatening to go to war with the Klingons. You're 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 they, they can't go against the Guardians. It's it's in bald Cisco, bald Cisco. Um, Hey, he actually went from his Spencer for higher roots and went from that hawk and in turn and became that badass in that episode. He no longer had, I mean, no longer had the hair. He had the goatee. It, I, for me, yeah, Way of the Warrior's got to take this one. A vote for Way of the Warrior. Hey, Mike, what you doing? Uh, I'm voting for Way of the Warrior because, uh, as I've said many times, it's this wonderful transitioning point, and not just for Deep Space Nine, but for Worf. Uh, I was not a big fan of Worf on Next Generation. I thought that uh, he got a little bit better at the end, but you know maybe the Deanna thing didn't quite work. All the Vax thing here was just like kind of how to, how to handle that. Um, I think it made Worf, Worf a better character the way that it made the Ferengi better, the way that it made the Cardassians better, the way that it took the Klingons that were already good and made them even better. Um, it, it did that to Worf and made Worf, I mean, he's so much more comfortable on this show. Uh, that's why when you say he wasn't necessary, I don't know. I mean, he he added something to that show, even if it was just, that, was, that I think was more than just the connection in Next Generation. And one of the things that I really like about it is that last moment when he comes out in the Deep Space Nine uniform. He'd been in his Next Generation uniform the whole time. He switches to the red, which is a nicer color. And that uniform is Deep Space Nine. Even though they kind of pivot off and they change it uh, to match the the Next Gen uniforms for, for when they switched in the movies, they introduced that on Deep Space Nine. And it's this work uniform. It's the idea that Deep Space Nine is not about looking good. Deep Space Nine is about getting the work done. And when you put that uniform on, that's when you're taking on the hard duty. And, and I love that idea. And I love when Worf steps out like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've been singing his praises all along. Like I said, it's my favorite of all time, even if it's just because of the Comics Cafe experience. But uh, Way of the Warrior. Devram? Yeah, for me, it's also Way of the Warrior. Uh, I voted for it every, every round so far. Uh, I can't vote against it now. Um, there's really not much more I can add to it other than what was said before. Um, such a great episode, and I love the addition of Worf to the cast, and uh, seeing the, his interaction with Jadzia grow over the next uh, few seasons has been fun, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely Way of the Warrior. 
And I will finish it off by not spiking the ball for Way of the Warrior. I'm going to give a little love to Ick Dick because I still love that dick. I love that Ick Dick. Mm, mm. But Way of the Warrior is our winner. Way of the Warrior is the best Deep Space Nine episode of all time. But, of course, we are wrong. It is obviously one that we just forgot about it is the passenger from season one episode nine rail vengica you know where bashir gets uh hijacked by some like psychic dude you know that episode that's the one that's the best deep space nine episode of all time um let's see what am i supposed to say here i had the script up and then i closed there it. are only three which suck. And those are Meridian, Prodigal Daughter, and uh, you know, Prophet and Lace. Uh, Th- those are the only ones which actually. You forgot about Move Along Home, but yeah, Move Along Home. I love Move Along Home. It is, it is so absurd that it's. Oh, you, uh, you know what? Uh, they're all good. They're all good. They're all good. All, all of them. Everyone. Does anybody have anything the they like, ones. like to plug? Uh, Yussi. And the ones with the Bajoran resistance. I can't shut up, Shut up, Mike. Yussi, do you have anything to plug? Um, just me. Um, you can find me on Facebook on uh, Yussi Block, Y-O-S-S-I-E-B-L-O-C-H, or on uh, Twitter, Rabbi Joe at uh, J-M. Um, thanks for uh, inviting me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Now, Dave, I know you have stuff to talk about. You got stuff to plug. Plug some stuff. I, I'm that's so beneath me to plug my own stuff. I, no, really, come out and see us. We're come on our Facebook. Yes, our Facebook is anonymoustabletop.com. Or actually, our uh, the website doesn't exist yet. But the Anonymous Tabletop is our Facebook page. Uh, we can be found on uh, Freebooters Network. We actually have an, uh, the next podcast. Now, episode 29 is in the queue. Uh, I know somebody on this podcast who will put it up in the near future. Um, you can come on to Freebooters Network to go take a look at that. Uh, listen to us. We ramble on. We do exactly what I'm doing right now. We talk a lot about bullshit and about other things. And we just drink a lot. So... Uh, come on our Facebook and take a look at our stuff. Um, I'm sure if you like this, you like that. So they're just supposed to rub their genitals on Facebook and then come? If they want. Uh, that's usually the, that was the inside joke for about 13 episodes, and then they just drove it into the ground. The, then what they do with Make it. Make sure you have a waterproof cover on your phone. Oh, you don't need that anymore. My phone is waterproof. It'll go with that semen and potatoes. Semen and potatoes. Who doesn't love semen and potatoes? Oh, by the way, that episode. That is starch and protein. Starch and protein. That episode that he just mentioned is absolutely available right now because there's no way that our episode is going to beat their episode up. (laughs) Uh, Dev? I've got nothing more to plug. Um, uh, It's pretty much all but said. Facebook.com slash network. And uh, from there, you can find it on our tabletop. You can find all the other shows that we have on the network. And uh, come join us. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, if, 
If you'd like to be on the panel, you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter or at geekfights@gmail.com. Facebook is probably the uh, the best bet. We uh, we announce the topics there or throw them out there every once in a while. Uh, that's where we do our daily stuff, our daily voting. Um, so yeah, if you want to be on, contact us anyway, and uh, and eventually, maybe we'll see. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Our next episode is most likely going to be best comedic sequel. Oh yeah, yeah, and hopefully we'll we'll have Rocco and his modern life on there. Yeah, two episodes in a row, motherfucker. Yeah, you didn't think you you were like no, nope, not even bother listening. He did. He hasn't heard this episode. He'll hear this episode three years from now after he's watched all of Deep Space Nine, say we're wrong, and then go fuck. He just mentioned me. Yeah, fuck you, Rocco. Uh, was I supposed to say something else? Uh, no. I'll just go right into until next time. Keep fighting the geek fight. No, I don't want to finish this episode. I want it to go on forever. Can we talk about the second best me- no, uh, I, mediocre? I, I, I have to go, guys. I got another recording starting in like <laughs> forty-five minutes. So I oh. gotta go. Okay then. <laughs>